Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, well, uh, hello, everyone. I'd like to thank um, James from Modern Day Debate for setting up this exchange and Matt for representing secular humanism. Even though I have complete intellectual contempt for certain positions, I always respect people and organizations that are willing to defend their views and subject them to critical examination. Now, as far as I can tell, in this debate, we're not uh, focusing on whether atheism is true or whether theism is true. And instead, we're focusing on a fairly narrow topic, namely whether secular uh, secular, secular humanism or theism provides a better foundation for morality. Spoiler alert, theism does. Theism can account for morality quite easily. Non-theistic ideologies can't. And if it weren't for feelings and cultural indoctrination getting in the way, every atheist on the planet would agree with me. But many contemporary atheists, instead of simply acknowledging the implications of their position, try to ground morality in something other than God. Just to be clear, when we talk about morality, we're talking about things like moral obligations. Human beings have a moral obligation to do certain things and not to do other things. Moral value, some things are intrinsically good. Moral responsibility, um, certain actions make us worthy of praise or blame. Moral improvement, people become better or worse, and so on. This is what we mean by morality. Of course, you can always radically redefine morality so that it bears little resemblance to anything we normally mean, but radically redefining morality isn't providing a foundation for morality, it's mutilating it. Uh, we're looking for a foundation, not mutilation. Now, I'm going to share my perspective, but I want to do so in a way that atheists can relate to. And if atheists can relate to anything, they can relate to asking people for evidence and being skeptical. So imagine this scenario, atheists. You walk into a church and you meet some Christians. You ask the Christians, why do you believe in God? And they reply, well, we just know that God exists and we feel the presence of God. You're a little confused, so you ask, but what evidence do you have that God exists? And the Christians respond, evidence, we don't need evidence. We already told you we know that God exists and we feel his presence. We know and we feel, no further question. Needless to say, atheists would not be very impressed with this response. Atheists would not take Christians saying, I just know or I feel the presence of God as any kind of evidence that God exists. Now, my atheist friends, if you can recall how you feel when a Christian tells you that he doesn't need evidence because he just knows God exists, now you know exactly how I feel every time I ask an atheist to defend the moral claims and moral judgments he's making. Suppose I walk into a meeting of the local chapter of the ultra-rational, super-skeptic squad, or whatever they call themselves these days, and I find a bunch of atheists complaining about God, complaining about religion, complaining about Christians, complaining about Muslims, complaining about the Bible, complaining about the Quran. And so I say, hi, I see you making lots of claims about how bad God is and about how bad religion is, and you're making lots of moral claims. And 
I'm wondering how you might defend this vast array of moral judgments you're constantly throwing around. Let's start with some easy ones. Why do you believe that killing apostates or terrorist attacks or female genital, genital mutilation um, are wrong? The atheists reply, well, it's wrong to hurt, another to hurt another person without sufficient reason. And so I say, sirs and madams and everything in between, all you did was defend your moral claims with another undefended moral claim. Why do you believe it's wrong to hurt other people without a good reason? And whether this discussion is long or short, the atheists will eventually proclaim, we just know. We just know that these things are wrong, and we feel. We know and we feel, we feel and we know. No further questions. Now, if you have a built-in inconsistency detector, it should be spinning and flashing. But somehow, the world's self-proclaimed champions of reason just don't see the inconsistency. I'm going to explain it with what I call the skeptic's dilemma. It goes something like this. Theists have dozens of arguments for the existence of God, and atheists reject these arguments. But on what consistent basis can you reject arguments for the existence of God and then grant arguments for the existence of real objective moral values or real objective moral obligations, values and obligations that go beyond our personal beliefs and feelings. In other words, what arguments are there for the existence of objective moral values and obligations that would survive the same level of scrutiny that atheists apply to arguments for the existence of God? I'm not aware of any. So here's what I see. Human beings have an internal skeptometer. It measures our level of skepticism, and we can adjust our skeptometers. We can become more or less skeptical, depending on the situation. We turn to arguments for the existence of God, and we don't want to believe in God, so we set our skeptometers to maximum until we end up denying obviously true premises like the universe began to exist or anything that begins to exist must have a cause. But then we turn to things like moral obligations and moral values, and we don't want to reject those. So all we do is we dial our skepticism down to minimum, and we get to the point where anything qualifies as evidence for what we want to believe. This is why an atheist can call a Christian stupid and irrational for claiming that he just knows God exists and then turn around and call himself brilliant and perfectly rational for claiming that he just knows that objective moral values and obligations exist. If we want to be consistent, there are only two options. On the one hand, we can set our skeptometers high enough to reject all arguments for the existence of God, but if we do that, we should examine moral claims in a similar fashion, and we're going to find out we can't defend those. We can't defend even our most basic moral claims. So you can reject God and reject the idea of objective moral values and obligations. Alternatively, we can set our skeptometers somewhat lower to the point where we can defend the existence of objective moral values and objective moral duties. But wherever we set that such that those things can be said to be real, um, there are dozens of arguments for theism that are going to be able to meet that, meet that standard. In which case you'd say yes to moral values and yes to God. So we can accept both or we can reject both. That's the skeptic's dilemma if the skeptic wants to be consistent. The alternative, of course, is to be inconsistent, applying one level of skepticism to beliefs we don't like 
and a completely different level of skepticism to beliefs that we do like. But if your worldview requires this kind of inconsistency, maybe it's time for a new worldview. Now, with these things in mind, God versus secular humanism. Secular humanism is roughly, Matt can expand upon this a bunch, uh, the philosophy that human beings are capable of flourishing without belief in God or religion. I actually agree with that basic claim. You can do all sorts of wonderful things and accomplish amazing feats without believing in God, just as you can breathe without believing in oxygen. I have two main problems with secular humanism. First, the core moral claims of secular humanists can only be maintained by massively dialing down their level of skepticism. If secular humanists had a drop of real skepticism coursing through their veins, they'd have to abandon their position. Second, since secular humanism is explicitly non-theistic, the implications of atheism are always going to suck the life right out of the philosophy. Human beings generally believe that there are moral truths, moral facts, and that we have access to these moral facts. There are only two possibilities here. Either at least some of our beliefs about moral facts and our access to them correspond to reality, or they don't. If a non-theistic view is true, are there moral facts, and do we have access to them? Well, what kind of universe do we live in if atheism is true? According to atheist Pope Richard Dawkins, the universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. No purpose, no evil, no good. What are human beings if atheism is true? Pope Richard I, we are machines built by DNA whose purpose is to make more copies of the same DNA. This is exactly what we are for. We are machines for propagating DNA and the propagation of DNA is a self-sustaining process. It is every living object's sole reason for living. So human beings are machines for propagating DNA in a universe in which there is, at bottom, no purpose, no good, no evil. If this is correct, where do we get our beliefs that there are moral facts and that we know them? There are only two places to go. You can say, one, that we're just hardwired to believe in moral facts because it helped our ancestors survive and reproduce or two, that society has conditioned us to believe in moral facts. But if those are your only sources for our moral experience, there are no moral facts. Being hardwired for certain behaviors has nothing to do with moral facts, and societies obviously can't be the source of moral facts because societies are often moral failures. So if atheism is true, we believe in objective moral values even though there are none. We believe in moral obligations even though there are none. We believe in moral responsibility, even though there is none. If our beliefs about morality do not correspond to reality, then our moral reasoning faculties are massively defective and can't be trusted, in which case we should either be moral skeptics or moral nihilists. That's not much to prop up secular humanism, so maybe we do need God. What about theism? Can theism do any better? Well, since atheism provides no foundation, if theism can provide any foundation, it will do better than atheism. There are two basic approaches we can take. We can either start with a hypothesis and then see whether the evidence makes sense, or we can um, start with the evidence and work our way back to a hypothesis. If we start with a theistic view like God exists and created the universe and created man in his image, we shouldn't be surprised that uh, all 
uh, we shouldn't be surprised at all that there are moral truths and that we have co the cognitive faculties to apprehend them and to modify our behavior in light of them. So theism makes perfect sense of objective moral values, objective moral obligations, moral responsibility, moral improvement, and so on. If we start from moral experience and reason back to a foundation, we get a similar result. Moral properties like rightness and wrongness, goodness and badness are real, but they're not physical. And so they, it seems very strange and unscientific to reason based on these things, but that's the kinds of things they are. And if you start looking at what sort of being could be the foundation for goodness um, or could be the kind of being that would have the authority to issue moral commands over all of humanity, you start ending up with something that sounds suspiciously like God. All right, thanks so much, David, for that opening statement. We will now switch it over to Matt for his opening statement of 12 minutes. I've got the timer set for you, Matt. The floor is all yours. All right. Hi, and uh, thanks to David and Modern Day Debate for doing this. Um, <clears throat> I was trying to take a bunch of notes. Sometimes I wonder why I bother showing up as long as opponents are going to try to present both sides in a fictional straw man. This started off as, hey, let's do which, is a, which makes a better account of ethics, God or atheism. And I pointed out rightly that atheism isn't an ethical system at all <clears throat> and that instead I should be defending secular humanism, which is in fact a system that addresses ethics and morality. Uh, I tried to, to get this changed a little more clearly to Christianity versus secular humanism because Christianity at least can be presented as if it is a moral system or as if it makes moral pronouncements. Because <clears throat> the fact is, God isn't a philosophy. It's not a system. It's not a worldview. It is a proposed entity. Secular humanism is entirely focused on discovering and promoting the best methods of improving human life. No God has been shown to exist. There isn't agreement on which God exists or which one might exist or what it wants or what it thinks. In fact, there's chaotic disagreement with countless religions and countless denominations among them. The various God models don't necessarily have human best interest in, at, at heart. How do we demonstrate that a God, whatever it happens to think about morality, has any interest in human affairs or what it thinks is right and wrong? What we have is not information about God, but speculation about God from human beings, and the speculation doesn't agree. In order for something to serve as a foundation for anything, uh, any sort of system, any sort of evaluation, in order to be evaluated as a foundation, what we need are some principles, not merely a list of do this or do, don't do that, but principles that this foundation encourages. Things like individual autonomy, sovereignty, the recognition that we're seeking a better world for human beings, the recognition of what we've learned so far, what we, where we have discovered that we were right and where we have discovered that we were wrong, the recognition that it's about us and it's up to us. Now, morality is often, I don't know, confusingly defined. David wants to say that you know, the atheists are going to completely misdefine it uh, as if it's not morality. Uh, anymore, and I don't know where the obje word objective came from because the word objective doesn't appear in the debate title, nor am I here saying in any way that there are objective, intrinsic, moral values or truths in anywhere. So I would agree that if I'm going to be skeptical and require evidence for things, if someone wants to say that there is a God who serves as a foundation for objective moral truths, then let them present the evidence for that. 
But my position is that as far as I can tell, there are no objective moral, no requirement that one care about well-being or human suffering or human flourishing or any of that. There's nothing about the universe that requires that we care about that. And yet, we do. This is what we've always talked about when it comes to morality. We are talking about how do humans interact? What are the consequences of our actions? Do those consequences make life better or worse for human beings? There's no requirement that one care about that, but if two people do a care about that, then they can begin to assess what sort of actions one should do to achieve the goal of a better life for human beings. Now, secular humanists and secular humanism aren't saying that we've solved every one of the problems, but the objections that I always seem to get are, yes, but why do you care about well-being in the first place? And we're not just saying that it's objectively, or that it is some truth that oh, we care about it because we care about it, and that makes it true in the sense of an objective imperative. We're saying it is true that we care about this. I'm assuming that you care about it too. I'm assuming you'd like to live a better life. I'm assuming you care about how we evaluate interactions between human beings and what would be an action that benefits oneself or others or society, et cetera, and that because as long as we have to share space, we should work together to find the things that make life better for all of those people who care about making life better. Now, the immediate concern is, well, okay, well, what if I don't care about making life better? Cool, then I'm not talking to you. This is why I use the chess game as an example. Chess is entirely arbitrary. The rules are subjective. We invented it, we came up with the board, the pieces, how they move, how they interact. But once we sit down at the chess game and we decide that we would rather not lose, it doesn't matter if you are the opposition or a teammate or a coach, if we can agree that the goal is to not lose the game, then we can agree non-subjectively about which moves are better and which moves are worse. This is intrinsically obvious, well, not maybe not intrinsically obvious, this is, I, I know of no refutation of this other than to say, I don't really care about chess, I don't care about winning. And the analogy holds that we are in a universe, we are physical beings in a physical universe, and the laws of that universe, the physical laws, dictate the consequences of our action. If I slice somebody's throat open or uh, give them a cup of water or give them a sandwich, uh, drinking battery acid is worse for us than drinking apple juice, generally speaking. There are exceptions to all of these, and that recognition that they're an exception also helps us make a better world. But if we're going to play the game of life, and play it according to the rules, and we care about not losing, we care about our survival, we care about having a world that is better. Oh, wait, 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 what do you mean better? That's still up for discussion. We can decide, everybody thinks they're working towards a better world, but the way to resolve those conflicts and disagreements about what makes a world better is to sit down and show where one view of the world that is labeled better winds up with some sort of conflict. Now, when we talk about secular humanism, there have been three different secular humanist manifestos over the years. The latest version, Manifesto 3, starts with uh, a few basic principles. Knowledge of the world is derived by observation, experimentation, and rational analysis. Humans are an integral part of nature, the result of evolutionary change and unguided processes. Ethical values are derived from human need and interest, tested by experience. There's, there's the foundation for ethics. Life's fulfillment emerges from individual participation in the service of human ideals. Humans are, so, are social by nature and find meaning in relationships. Working to benefit society maximizes individual happiness. I don't necessarily agree with every interpretation of every aspect of every one of these, but it's at least a spelling out of a foundation. 
No such spelling out of a foundation exists for God in the abstract or theism in the abstract. You could be a theist and not think that there's any God that cares at all about morality, which is why we continually talk about, yes, but can you account for morality? Yes, I can. We live in a world, we, those of us who care about the quality of life, are working to discover the best ways to improve that. That system, secular humanism, is the beginning of an ethical and moral system that is expressly focused on humanity with humans as the actors and beneficiaries of that system. It means that we can adapt to whatever knowledge we learn about what makes the world better and how to achieve it. No one is pretending that we've discovered or will discover one correct way to a utopia or that a utopia is even possible. We're not asserting there is some intrinsic objective moral obligation in the world. We're only saying that as far as we can tell, we're stuck in this universe, we are interacting. The consequences of my actions not only have consequences on me, but have consequences on other people. That what you do affects me as well. And that as long as we're here cooperating, there are more correct and less correct answers to what actually makes life better for people. Aim for the best possible world and you are at least constantly working towards a better world. Disagree about what makes a better world? How do you resolve that? The truth is there is no objection to secular moral systems that is in any way solved by appealing to a god. Secular humanism can correct and adapt and be updated based on new information. We can change and the resolution to those conflicts come from discovery, debate, discussion, and desire. Empathy, education, and effort are the cornerstones of secular humanism. God may or may not be real. There's no agreement on God's existence, his characters, his goals, or if he's a he, or if he even applies, what his desires are, what their instructions are, what their preferences are. And also, even if we had some indication of those things, there's no indication that those desires and preferences actually get to the heart of what makes the world better for human beings. But it's worse than that because there's no clear path to agreement on any of those issues about God. And so all we ever have is one human being telling another human being in a lazy fashion that, hey, I want there to be objective moral values and I'm going to appeal to this God that I can't demonstrate because that to me in my mind satisfies this need of a foundation with no indication that it exists, that it's real or anything because God isn't a system. God isn't a path to improvement for humans and may not have human improvement as a goal. In fact, many versions of God expressly contradict human flourishing and make the entirety of human existence, the entirety of everything we ever know we will ever have, out to be a cycle of suffering or a trial to determine what happens in some other unproven life. This life is like dirty rags. It is throwing away everything we will ever know in the hope of something else after. It is simply impossible for a non-system to be a better system than a system. A foundation has to be stable. The God concept is less stable than shifting sand, less clear in its principles, goals, and directions than a magic eight ball. The question of this debate is such that only one of the two propositions is even a candidate as an answer. This would have been different, perhaps, if we had had secular humanism versus Christianity or some structured system of morality, but only a bit better because all versions of Christianity depend on the unproven perspective that this life is like dirty rags and the next one is one that matters and that we should trust blindly 
some version of some human suspicion about what some God wants and that it is better for us than what we can discover through our own dedicated pursuit of what demonstrably leads to a better life if we can just agree that we care about a better life. Thanks so much, Matt, for that opening statement. We will now go into the first and only rebuttals before the discussion section. So these will be eight minutes, and I have the timer set for you, David. The floor is all yours. In my opening statement, I share my personal thoughts about God, secular humanism, and morality. Um, normal human beings have what we call varieties of moral experience. People have beliefs about right and wrong, good and bad. What is the status of these beliefs? If you believe that it's objectively wrong to shoot a man in Reno just to watch him die, does that belief correspond to reality? In other words, is it really objectively wrong to shoot a man in Reno just to watch him die, or do you merely dislike it? Uh, theism and atheism give us very different answers to these questions, and Matt's answer would be uh, very different from mine, given a framework of secular humanism. Um, now, I said that atheists never managed to apply the same level of skepticism to their own claims that they apply to the claims of theists. Fortunately, we're in a debate, so let's take a closer look um, at Matt's claims. Um, he said, God is not a moral system. God is uh, more of like a theoretical being or something like that. Um, but we're not just talking about any being here. We're talking about a being that created the universe, created all of us, and who sustains us for every moment of our existence and who is the ultimate ground of moral good and moral obligation. So if you say that kind of being exists and then created us in his image, then what it really means, the takeaway message from that perspective is that when we talk about moral obligations and moral values and things like that, the, the sort of basis for the things we talk about when you talk about morality, they correspond to reality. There's a basis for them. So I think you, you can work out a, a moral system just off, just off the basics. If you uh, think that, you know, hey, other people are created in the image of God. They're created with certain rights and things like that. Um, now, as far as Matthew, he says he's not saying that there are objective moral values or obligations or truths. So he's saying, hey, we don't need those kinds of things. But I, I want to point out that when we, when we talk about morality, that is normally what we're talking about. So I would regard this as a redefinition here. Um, but we'll go ahead and, and see whether it's a, it's a plausible one. So Matt says there, there are no there's no objective requirement that we care about well-being. He says we just do. Um, I'm not sure about that. Um, I think it's kind of an equivocation if you say we all care about well-being and then you try to build a moral system out of that because uh, people, I, I think well-being people's pursuit goes something, for many people goes something like this. They uh, care foremost about their own well-being and the well-being maybe of a, a close circle of family and friends. And then insofar as it doesn't conflict with that, they uh, are concerned about the well-being of a larger community, their country or their race or their religion or something like that. And then insofar as it doesn't conflict with that, then you know, maybe they would have some uh, slight concern for the rest of humanity. Um, so if you're saying, hey, we just care about the well-being of all humanity, I don't think pe many people have signed up for that. Um, Matt says, if two, people, uh, if two people do agree that they care about well-being, they can start to make rules. I actually agree completely. He says that people who care about well-being can come up with rules. We can, like we can come up with rules of a game. We can sit down and make up rules for chess and 
discover that some moves are better than others and that this would not be not just be subjective they can they can actually be better moves i actually agree with this completely um, and matt says if someone doesn't care he's not talking to them because if you have not agreed if you haven't agreed that you're going to seek the well-being of other people then you can't be said to have um, whatever we want to call them obligations to uh, do certain things if you don't want to play chess then the you know these these rules just don't apply to you there's no talking to you now as far as what he just said goes I agree with him completely from an atheistic perspective what he just said was exactly my view when I was an 18 year old atheist right before I bashed my dad's head in with a ball peen hammer and I think that I think what he just said flows pretty naturally uh, out of out of an atheist worldview. You don't have to go that way, but I, I think it's pretty pretty natural to go this way. Namely, if you say, "Hey," so this is this is the position that was just stated, as far as I can tell. He can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you say, "Hey, I'm seeking the well-being of other people," I'm seeking the well-being of other people. Then, if you're doing that, then you can say, "Well, these things follow." Therefore, if that's my goal, then. I have an obligation to do these things that will, you know, help me reach that goal. If you don't seek that goal, he says, well, you know, this morality has nothing to say to you, right? So think about this. If I do not agree to seek the well-being of all people, then what moral obligations do I have? As far as I can tell from Matt's position, I have none. I don't have any moral obligations. Now think about that. What this means is, that when I bashed my dad's head in with a ball peen hammer when I was 18 years old, I didn't violate any moral obligation. I did nothing morally wrong. I just didn't sign on. I just didn't sign on for this. Uh, for I didn't didn't sign on for this goal that some other people seek. So I I did nothing wrong. Now I'm willing to lay this down as a rule. If your moral system says I did nothing wrong by bashing someone's head in with a hammer, um, I think you need a new moral system. So. Um, notice if I uh, notice you, you could you could you could apply this to anything, right? If if morality, if the morality that Matt is talking about is simply, once you decide on a goal, there are going to be better and worse ways of getting there, and those better and worse ways of getting there will be the the only sort of moral obligations you have. Then notice when you say, hey, if my moral, ob my, you know, my goal is to make a pure white Aryan race. Well, if you think about how to do that, it might be, you know, your, your obligations then, your moral obligations might include wiping everyone else out. So, um, no, notice, all I've done is say, here's what he said about morality and what it is, and I've taken it through to its logical conclusion. Well, I would say that's not what we mean by morality. What people in general mean by morality is, whether you've agreed to seek the, the well-being of mankind or not, you have a moral obligation not to bash people's head in with a hammer. Whether you've uh, agreed to uh, seek the well-being of humanity, um, you, 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 you don't go you know, put a bunch of Jews in, in ovens. You don't, you don't do that sort of thing. So what we want to say about morality is you have moral obligations to do things even if, regardless of your goals. And if your goals are getting in the way of your moral obligations, you need to change your goals, right? Matt's position is no, obligations only come in once you've decided on a goal, and until you've decided on that goal, you, you don't have these kinds of moral obligations. And so I wanna say that this redefinition, again, it, it's, uh, I said this earlier, 
you know, this is, this is a mutilation of morality. This is not a foundation of morality. Um, I think I only have a few seconds left, um, but I, I just want to say, uh, if Matt is saying that we just in general, uh, people in general, seek the well-being of humanity, um, he's, he's, he's old enough to remember the 20th century. And we remember what happened with the Nazis, with the Soviet Union, with the Chinese, with the Japanese when they took over the Chinese and what they did in Nanking. We remember Pol Pot. We remember, every, we remember Rwanda. Wherever you go in the world, massive numbers of atrocities. If you're building your moral foundation on the idea that we're all, you know, people in general are seeking the well-being of others, I think you've got some problems. Thanks so much, David. We will now go into the first rebuttal from Matt before we go into the discussion section. We'll give like a flexible 10 seconds as we did for David on that one. So Matt, I have got the timer set. The floor is all yours. So this is unusual because we set a debate topic of which is a better foundation, God or secular humanism. And David's entire opening was for a nondescript God or theism inter, you know, interchangeably there, suggesting that I like there to be objective moral truths. Secular humanism can't get to that, but I think I can do a God, uh, you know, a God solves this problem. And so essentially there wasn't, there was a single argument in all of that, that uh, without a God you can't have uh, objective moral truths. Uh, and because we agreed at the beginning that we weren't concerned about whether atheism or theism is true, I guess, I suppose it's really um, without people believing that there's a God, they can't point to anything that might serve as a foundation for objective moral truths. But my view is not uh, about objective moral truths in that sense. And despite the fact that I, I've tried for many years to come up with a number of examples, I did this actually yesterday on the TV show where we started with the chess game and then went to physical health and then tried to get to moral health. Uh, for some reason, theists, after sitting here during an opening and completely repeatedly straw manning by talking about, oh, if I went in and asked atheists, eventually they're going to get to, we just know, and you should have your skepticism meter set to a particular level. Well, you don't understand skepticism if you think that all claims require the meter to be set at the same level, that all claims require the same exact type and quality and quantity of evidence. But more so, while we're in a disagreement about what morality is, the subject of the debate, as it was sent to me, was ethics, which I was happy with, because maybe then we wouldn't say, oh, morality is just what God says. No, 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 no. We use morality in another connotation within humanity to talk about what we should or shouldn't do. Now, when I talk about chess as an analogy, I'm saying, hey, once we sat down at the chessboard, we care about winning. But the analogy means once we are alive, we care about living. Are there exceptions to the rule? Of course there are. There are people who are going to be amoral. There are people who don't care about morality. That doesn't change how the rest of us in society would view their moral obligation, nor does it change what obligation they may have in their own mind if they actually care about living. There's nothing you can ever do or say to someone who doesn't care about living or caring about a better life that's gonna convince them that they are obligated to do so God doesn't solve this problem. Pointing to a God doesn't solve this problem. Because if I say, hey, here's, if you and I agree that we're alive, do you care about a better world? Would it have been better for you to not grab a ball-peen hammer and take it to somebody's head? In hindsight, even without appealing to a God, would you, wouldn't your life have been better 
wouldn't that person's life have been better? Wouldn't the fact that we share this life have been better without that? You can go down some path of, no, I learned a lesson, or ultimately it sent me to jail, and that's where Jesus fixed me and gave me this, this new view on life. At the end of the day, you don't have a choice whether you're playing the game of life, you're playing it. And so when you, when you point to something like, oh, well, the Nazis did this, um, okay, I, I, I suppose I could start by talking about how absolutely asinine it is, especially when Nazis marched around with Gottman Unz on their belt buckles, and they believed in God, and they believed that God was with them, and they believed that God wanted them to do the things that they were doing, and they believed it for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that if you take a look at something like the supposed instructions from one God to run around and kill the Midianites but keep the young virgin girls for themselves, or that shalt not suffer a witch to live, or kill the homosexuals, or the disparity between religions that cause conflict so that God is always on the side of people doing that, you can justify any and every atrocity by appealing to whatever God you want and opposing whatever God you don't want. The God proposition solves nothing. Now it's true that someone can walk around and say, you know what, I just don't care about well-being. I don't think that that is as common as people make it out to be. There may be exceptions to the case. I haven't you know, done an exhaustive search of the world, but by and large, for the entirety of the history of human beings, we have cared about surviving, whether it's an evolutionary motivation, whether it's some instinct that some god put into us. Caring about surviving is what we do. We are the descendants of those people who cared about surviving. But even if, even if there wasn't some justification for it, the fact of the matter is that the overwhelming majority of people live their lives wanting it to be better. And while some of them may in fact be incredibly myopic and focused only on their well-being, that's not in any way an argument that God is somehow a better foundation, or even a fictional lie about a God is somehow a better foundation. <clears throat> Secular humanism has principles and goals and pathways to not only get a better understanding of the world, but to deal with disagreements about what makes a better world. That doesn't exist with God, that doesn't exist with theism. And while it's very nice that eventually in the rebuttal, uh, David tried to get a little bit more specific. Oh, we're not just talking about any God here, we're specifically talking about the creator of the universe, which has nothing to do with whether or not there's some intrinsic moral obligation. There's nothing about any of this that says, hey, God could be a moral monster. God, God could be all powerful, create people, and be completely apathetic to what happens to us and not care that much about what we do. None of that is intrinsically tied to a notion of God, and even if there were a God who had those views, that doesn't tell us about whether or not those God's views are right. So we haven't taken the first step to show that there's a God. We haven't showed that this God, what this God wants. Um, David wants to kind of dodge around and not be specific about God, um, but it's, it's just, let me get just specific enough so that maybe I can claim that we have some moral duty or obligation to this God, when we don't. There's no, there's no way to fix this by appealing to a God. You either get to divine command theory, might makes right, etc. Can you work out a system based on this creator God? David says, I think you can work out a system of moral ethics and moral obligation based on this creator God. Well, it's a shame that you didn't do that or show up with that because that's what the whole debate is about. There's no reason to think that there's some objective moral imperative out there. What we're talking about is surviving, thriving, and recognizing that as beings in this universe, there are things that we can do that make our lives better and make our lives worse. 
And while there are people who will undoubtedly, most people, I would argue, and I would agree with David on this, most people care about themselves first, the people closest to them second, and then begin to care less and less as, as geography and time expands that distance. I don't see that there's anything wrong with that as long as the extent that we're carrying also is proportional to that impact that our lives have on each other. I don't care if somebody in a, a faraway land does something that I'm never going to know about that doesn't have any impact on the world. I can be myopic all day long, but we understand from studying these things and looking at the data and understanding the goals of secular humanism that our myopic views actually are counterproductive. It's very easy for the slave owner to say, oh, I've got all these slaves, look at how much good it's doing me as long as we're myopic. But when you look at the bigger picture and how much harm it actually does to, to you that you aren't recognizing and how much better the world could be if perhaps the individual who would have cured the disease that you were gonna wind up with instead of being enslaved had been encouraged to go to school and get educated. When you see the bigger picture, it becomes harder to become myopic. Thanks so much for that, Matt. We will now go into the open conversation section, folks. So if you have a question, by the way, forgot to mention, if you feel free or do feel free to fire it into the old live chat, if you tag me with an at modern day debate, it makes it easier for me to get as many as possible into that, that list that we'll ask at the end. We'll ask as many as we can at the end. We can't guarantee we'll get to every question. And also, Super Chat is an option, in which case you can make a short comment toward one of the speakers to which they would get, of course, a chance to respond to. And we ask that you just continue to be your friendly selves in your questions or comments. So thanks, gentlemen. And I got the timer set for the open discussion. Um, Matt, uh, you, <laughs> you seem to have a slightly rosier picture of, of human beings than I do. I was wondering what you think of uh, uh, the Stanley Milgram experiment and it, its follow-ups. And in, in the original experiment, he found that roughly 65% of people in America were willing to um, to put out a, a possibly lethal dose of electricity um, that, that could kill the person who was receiving it um, just just because they were told to. Mm -hmm. And that, that's been kind of uh, repeated around the world, mm -hmm. uh, various uh, variations of that. In, in Germany, it was even higher. They found that 85% of people, if you said, uh, push this button that's going to shock this person because he's not learning these word pairs correctly, 85% of, of people were willing to push a button that said this is possibly lethal dose, this could, this could kill this person. And so um, if you combine that with just what we learned from the 20th century, you know, the, the, the 12 million or so that died in, in German camps, not even counting the people who died in the war, uh, you know, the, the, the communists um, starving five to seven million Ukrainians to death, went in there, just took all their food, all their seeds, had dogs sniffing around to make sure they weren't hiding any food and so on. Um, again, the Chinese, the Japanese, pretty much everywhere you go in the world, you find these kinds of things. And when we find that, you know, you're at just your average human being, your average human being walking down the street is probably, probably willing to, to zap someone if they're just, if they're just told to do it. Um, how much stock are you really putting in this claim that, you know, we, we are seeking the, the well-being of others and we can sort of build a, a moral framework out of that? Incredible stock. Do you happen to know how many people in the Milgram experiment believed in a god? No, I'm talking about that. that that's, I, would regard that, I would regard that as a problem. If someone can believe that they've been commanded by God It doesn't to matter if they've been commanded peace. by no, God. To, did no, did belief in peace. God stop any of them? You're, you're, you're missing the point. What I'm saying is if people who 
believe that God has commanded them to seek the, the, the good of all people are willing to just zap them. I look at that and I say, wow, if people who believe that God has commanded them are just willing to, you know, to kill other people, what happens if we all become convinced that we're just you know, machines for propagating DNA or, or something far less than that? And so I'm, I'm looking at it as, wow, even given theism, even given Christianity or Judaism or something like that, people can still be killing machines. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking at that. So I'm thinking, wait, that's humanity? You can believe you're, you've been commanded by God to kill and slaughter and go out and do it? What happens if you don't even, don't even believe that, you know, that we have any sort of obligation to do any sort of good for other people? And yet, curiously, um, I'm actually advocating for a system that does deal with that position of people who believe this. So, so the God thing didn't stop any of those other things. Are we suggesting that the overwhelming majority of those people were atheists or just like bad believers? No, I'm, I'm talking about human, human beings. The, okay. My, my, my idea is I look at human beings as some, some really, really Right, but the whole characters. issue here is what is a better foundation for ethics, God or secular humanism? Secular humanism, I can point to and say that it has the goal of getting better. So when we do something like the Stanley Milgram experiments and stuff like that, and we find out what humans are capable of under very contrived, controlled circumstances. You can go back before that because this is all predicated on extraordinary popular delusions and the madness of crowds. There's tons of experience. You can, get, you can stand people up facing the other way in an elevator and people conform. Now, if we know that, to me, that, that is partially an argument for why we have so much religion. People conform. People will bend to where the pressure is and people out of fear or a sense of obligation will adopt a particular position. If we know that people will do that, is there a way to get people to recognize why doing good for the sake of doing good should be good enough? This is what secular humanism is advocating for, that I shouldn't be good to another person because some God commands it or some God wants it, but I should be good to another human being because it benefits them, which benefits me and raises all boats. Pointing to exceptions to the rule, pointing to atrocities that people have committed, pointing to even human nature from experiments in incredibly contrived circumstances doesn't tell us anything about whether or not the average person generally wants to survive and live a better life. Um, I, I, think it's, I, I think what it tells us is, is this. Uh, whatever desire we have for well-being, whether it's, it's just our own or a you know, wider group or for, for all humanity, um, it can be overpowered by pretty much anything. Uh, even just someone saying, hey, push this button and, and possibly kill this person. Yeah. That's enough, let alone some charismatic leader coming in yeah. and like just Jesus. saying, hey, we're going to, we're going to go on, on massive killing sprees. Um, as far as, uh, as far None as... None of that gets to the issue. What's that? The fact that people can do things that you and mm -hmm. I both find morally repugnant, mm -hmm. which is a testament to what human beings can do, is in no way relevant to whether or not they, were, they would care about a better world. If you were to have a conversation with any of the people who pushed those bu that button mm -hmm. and talk them through the experiment... By the way, I'm, I, would, I would like to see interviews done with the people who were pushed to that point to see what they learned from the experience once they actually understood what was happening and if they were ever likely to do that again. Because that sort of education process of getting them to exercise empathy and understanding of how they can be manipulated 
I would think, would be one good path to making sure that they were unlikely to be manipulated again, and that spreading this information through education so that people don't have to go through the experiment to know what people will do, but instead can watch what other people have done and learn from that, those are the foundations that require no God to teach people how to live a better life. Um, I'm, I'm interested in this. Uh, well, uh, first, before, let's go back to this issue. I had, I had another uh, question based on, on what you were saying. Um, this desire for well-being, we're going, uh, I'm, I'm still convinced that, and, and you seem to agree, that if you have you know, someone come along and say, hey, this is what we need to do for the well-being of the world. Again, we, we saw this over and over again. The Nazis, they were, tr they were seeking well-being. So were the communists, um, the Japanese. I, don't, I, I guess they were just seeking their personal well-being with the, with the rape of Nanking. Uh, but Pol Pot seeking well-being. They're all striving for well-being, and they end up with all these different situations. Right now, you could end up with enough people Seeking well-being, like if you had, like you know, if you had like Greta Thunberg, right? We must stop all fossil fuels now. Well, that's going to lead to a lot of problems if, if someone like that actually came to power. But you could you could imagine it happening. Just hey, let's let's put her, uh, someone like her, someone who agrees with those views, in charge, and just all fossil fuels shut down or something like that. My, my only my only point here is, um, my only point here is, uh, it, there, this was nothing to do with climate change. The point was just you could. It doesn't have to be people marching out and, and slaughtering people. It could be some thinking of just something good. Hey, I want this. I want to protect the planet. I want to do that. That, that could lead to all kinds of disastrous results. But anyway, the point is, yeah, if you, could, you can go to the entire world and find everyone, and they could all say, yeah, we're seeking well-being. But what does that get you? You could have asked, again, the Nazis, the, the communists. You could ask anyone that. Are you all seeking well-being? Yes, we're all seeking well-being, and you get a lot of different results, and you get so some of the greatest atrocities of all. Now it of seems all you, you could go to a lot of people and ask them if they seek well-being, and they're going to say yes. And so mm -hmm. then you say, okay, what is your path to well-being? And they say, oh, we want to kill all the Jews. And then you can show them how that doesn't actually get to the well-being that they thought they were going to get. Well, if that there's if, an intern, hang on, I'll let you talk for a while. If there's an internal conflict, it, it's lip service to say, I care about well-being, and for me, well-being means this. It, it, people can be wrong, and they can be myopic about what is actually better. The, the fact that people can be wrong about what is better is independent from whether or not they're seeking what is better. And if, you're, if, they, if you and I agree that we're seeking what is better, whether it's in a chess game, with regard to physical health, with regard to societal health, or what I would call ethics, or whether or not you would, I don't know, we should just toss morality as a label out the window because it seems to be largely irrelevant. But in all of those cases, if you and I agree that we want a better world, now we get down to what do we mean by better world? And if you can show me that what I mean by better world is actually not better for me, that there's a conflict there, then I am forced to now accept that I'm either not working towards a better world or I'm forced to change my mind. If I can do the same for you, like for example, I, I asked it kind of facetiously because I had no interest in bringing this up in the first place. Um, do you think that you and the man who you hit in the head with that hammer would have been better off and had a, a better outcome had you not done that? At the time, did you actually care about your own, having a better world for you? And did you care about having a better world for that person? And did you pause to think at all about whether or not that person's better world impacted yours? Um, no, didn't care at all. Okay. Um, was totally sick of this world. Uh, you, you, you've heard me say, you know, basically my view at that time. You know, you got this universe where this, our planet's this little speck. Uh, we're these little blobs of, 
Uh, I was thinking of us as blobs of cells, or you know, as, as you know, Richard Dawkins said, uh, <laughs> machines for propagating DNA. The point is, um, but you think atheism led to that? Hmm? You, you think atheism led to that? Um, I, now, I don't no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying I, no. My, my view is you, you can live however you want. And there's nothing in atheism. I think you would agree. There's nothing in atheism that tells you, you should live this way or right. Or, which or is that why way. I was yeah. talking about secular humanism. But yeah, earlier, which, which, which I which I agree. If you know secular humanism is a but you a, you said in the rebuttal that it's you think it's natural to go from atheism to hitting someone with a ball peen hammer. Um, no, no, it's it's natural. Uh, it's natural for. It's natural from atheism to think that these moral obligations that we think are real, that you shouldn't do that, are just delusional, right? And I, I, think, I, I, I think you agree with that, right? If I think I have a moral obligation not to hit someone, your position is, if I decide that I'm seeking the well-being of humanity or of other people or something like that, then there are right ways and wrong ways to go about that. And so there are some rules, but as I pointed out, if I don't sign on to that, if I say I'm not seeking the, the well-being of humanity, then there is no moral obligation. The moral you, there's obligation no moral obligation is in, outside of that. The moral, so whether or not you think you have a moral obligation, you are part of a society that will impose a moral obligation no, on you. Now notice, but according to your theory, I had no moral obligation. No, but I, didn't say, I didn't say you don't have one. I said whether or not you think you do. See, you keep looking at this as if there must be some external intrinsic imposition, when the truth is there's nothing that we can point to that's more strong than what we view it. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to beat up on this, but it, I don't think it bothers you that much. I was under the impression that you grabbing that ball peen hammer was a result of diagnosed psychopathy and not of some principled position or unprincipled position of atheism and life is worthless. Um, I'd, I'd say it's a combination. I'd say it's, it's a combination, right? It's, it's like if you take this and this and this and this, you get that. Rather than just this or just that. Like, I'm still, a, di I'm still a diagnosed psychopath. I don't go around bashing people's heads in because you, you, you kind of need a, a, couple, a couple of different things. But I, I do have to, what is the moral obligation? If you, you, I mean, you said it. You said there's nothing in the world or in the universe that says you, that there are objective moral values. But if we if we have a game and we agree, you know, we can sit down and agree to rules, and if our goal is but that's winning. The, no, no, that's not it. The chess game is an analogy. Yeah. The chess game has rules. It doesn't matter whether they're arbitrary or objective. Mm -hmm. It's an analogy to life. Life has rules. The physical facts about reality dictate the consequences of our actions. Bashing someone in the head with a ball peen hammer is going to be negative for them. Doing it, uh, you know, shooting a man in Reno just to watch him die, uh, that's going to have a negative consequence on them. It's going to have a negative consequence on the shooter. It's going to have a negative consequence on society. And when we see the bigger picture, when we get beyond the, the myopic view of, ah, oh, this is what I want to do right now, and we start seeing, hey, my actions have an impact on this society, which will fundamentally change the society. So that instead of encouraging, let's not kill each other, we're encouraging, ah, do it if you want to, that this, for lack of a better analogy, kind of raises all boats, that this is what results in a better world, a world where people are convinced rightly that the world is better when we are discouraging willy-nilly murder than when we are saying, yeah, do whatever. No, I, and if the goal is to make a better world, this, this is just on its face true. It doesn't need any like intrinsic, objective, universal imposition. And the person who shoots that man in Reno learned a very valuable lesson and learned it without appealing to any god that their actions have consequences and that this was not the better world that they may have wanted and whether they, for a brief moment, decided I care more about me than I care about it, whether they got myopic and care more about themselves than they do a better world, if they truly care about a better world, 
they then understand why that action, or can understand perhaps, why that action resulted in a world that wasn't better. I don't even understand how this is controversial. Uh, I, I, that's not the that's not the part I'm regarding as controversial. I'm okay. regarding it as you 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 said there's there, you know there's nothing in you know just in the universe that tells us that we have to seek the well-being of humanity and so on. Then you said, but you know we just do. Most of us just do. Yeah. And and by the way, I'm I'm agreeing with all that. I'm, I'm I'm agreeing with that part. I'm agreeing with you saying so. Once you decide, hey, here's what I'm seeking, then you can just like if you said, hey, you know, here are the rules of chess and. Um, here's what winning is, and you know there are moves that are going to be better for that. You can figure that out, and it's not it's not simply subjective. Some moves are better than others. I agree with that completely. But you're saying that it is uh, all our moral obligations are in that sense conditional. They yes. are you have you have uh, agreed to do this. If our not not conditional in your agreement to do it, conditional in the fact that you are playing a game with these rules. See, I can talk about what's better. And somebody may, not, may say they don't care about what's better, or somebody may disagree about what's better. The person who doesn't care about what's better, I don't know how to, to, to convince them that they should. I mean, I can try and argue there. Mm -hmm. you know, you know, if, if, it's really hard to do, because I rarely come across someone, I, matter of fact, I, I'm not sure I ever have come across someone who genuinely says, I don't care about a better world. I don't care about a better world for me. And so you can begin asking the questions then, okay, what does that mean? What kind of actions are you willing to take, and will that actually result in a better world for you? Will that actually result in a better world for the people you care about? Will that actually result in a better world for the people whose actions are gonna impact your world? You can have that kind of conversation. That does not mean that you're gonna convince someone. But it's not like, yes, if we sit down and decide we're playing chess once we're in the game, boom. We're playing life whether we decided to or not. And so all these people are in this game and the physical facts of the universe dictate what is going to wind up a better game for us and the only uh, should that can come from there is if we're going to talk about morality, if we're going to talk about morality as resulting in a better world, now we've defined it in a way where there is some world, the physical facts of which are superior to this world, independent of what any individual may think about it. We could all be wrong. It could be, and just to veer off on the climate change for half a second, because I don't know, it could be that while Ending all fossil fuel use immediately is a massive disruption that causes all kinds of short-term loss and yet ultimately fixes the problem. Or it could be that it doesn't fix a damn thing. We don't know. But if we genuinely have the goal of seeking a better world, then the goal is to look at the available evidence and make the best decision that we can with the information that we can. And for somebody to sit around and say, nah, I don't care, I'm not going to be here. Okay, they're not participating in the system, but they're benefiting from it now. And the obligation, I would say, that any of us have is because we've already benefited from the work that others have done. It doesn't mean I'm required, oh, I don't have to. You can't make me pay it back. I can, I, well, I, I, in a way I could, uh, but you're right that I can't give you, force you to have a motivation to pay back what you've already benefited from. And yet, if you don't, we can look at you and say, you are not a moral person. And when we say that, we're not saying you are not living up to the, an, an imperative, a universal objective imperative. We are saying you are not living up to how we have defined morality to be. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still just really confused on this. We might, we might want to move on, but I, okay. I'll, ju I, I'll just say, um, it, sounds, it sounds like what your position is now. Um, when you were giving your, your opening statement, it sounded like you were saying 
yes, there's, there's, there's nothing in this world that would compel you to, um, a person who didn't want to, to actually seek the good of humanity, but once you've agreed that you are seeking well-being, then there are certain ways to get there. No, uh, once you've agreed, now we can have the conversation about what yeah, is better. Yeah, that's fine. But you are under whatever obligations you're under from the, the circumstances anyway. You may not care, I can't force someone to, to not kill themselves. Uh -huh. I can't force someone to care about their own life. And, and, but we, we also, I believe, you know, have a, an, an obligation and we, we take some of this seriously. Like I'm, a, I'm okay with, uh, and very supportive, like the death with dignity idea, that when someone wants to terminate their life, when those circumstances uh, of their life where continuing to live is dramatically less preferable than dying, that people should be allowed to choose the manner and process of their death. But we also know that there are people who through mental health issues or short-term circumstances, will also go down that path of a permanent solution to a problem that we have an understanding is temporary. There are reasons why we put people in institutions on occasions to protect them from themselves. That is us being responsible to other members of society. And we do so in a way because that is beneficial to all of us and that it would, like, it's, it's a good idea to lock me up when I am a danger to others, even if I'm unable to recognize it. That just benefits everybody. And I can sit there and bang my head against the wall in my cell forever saying, how dare you do this? I don't have an obligation to follow your rules or whatever else. And I would be completely correct in the sense that there's nothing about the universe that compels me to do that, but there's something about the facts that I'm living in a society with other people that do. So now now, now it, it, it seems like you're saying, going back to what you were saying about you, uh, uh, you almost like you, you have an obligation to repay your debts and you ha you're, you're, you're indebted to the society you're in uh, to repay the society for anything you've derived from that and therefore you have an obligation uh, not to go around doing horrible things. Where are these kinds of things coming from, right? Because wh when, you, when you are saying, hey, if you want this, then these are the ways to get there. I agree completely. That, that makes perfect sense. If you, if you lay out what the goal is, then you can start figuring out ways to get there. Um, but so the question was, well, what about people who aren't seeking those things? What obligations which they things? have? Hmm? Seeking which things? What about people who, who just don't care about what happens, right? Like, what about people who say, look, you know, if, if we last 10,000 years or we last a million years, it, who cares? I just, I just don't. I just really don't care, right? Okay. If we view ourselves as like a cosmic accident and why do we think we're so special as compared to Those two uh, other, machines, other machines for propagating they're DNA? They're not tied together. I'm I can just saying, think you, we're a cosmic accident you and still care. That's true, that's true. I'm, I'm there you go, so I'm why are we constantly I'm conflating I'm trying to locate the moral obligation for someone who says, um, I, just don't, I just don't care about those things. Or, we or impose a moral obligation. No, no, that's what I mean. You're, a, you're saying society imposes a moral obligation. The physical facts people. of the universe imposes a moral obligation. You for, just said for, that the universe no. doesn't impose. You the, said there's nothing in the universe that imposes the moral I, obligation. The physical facts of the universe mm -hmm. dictate what is better. And if we're going to talk about morality and define morality as seeking what is better, that's the where the physical facts of the universe yes. dictate what is better for us. Yes, it's better for me to live a healthy life than it is to not live. Does the universe? I mean, does the universe dictate? I mean, I mean, d why would the universe care whether it, you know, coronavirus flourishes or we flourish? It doesn't exactly. But the physical facts of the universe show that if coronavirus is going to kill humans, and I am a humanist, and morality is about what humans do and not what viruses do, 
that it's in my best interest to work in opposition to coronavirus. I agree it's in your best interest. I also agree that it's in the best interest. And that's interest what morality and humanism is about, not about viruses. I don't give a rat's ass about viruses and how pissed off they are yeah, sp- that look, we're, look, we're exterminating speaking, them. Speaking of rats, <laughs> yes, brought up rats, right? If, if rats, rats are, are in, in some sense seeking rat flourishing and dogs are in some sense seeking dog yep. flourishing, they're, they're wired to do that. And we're wired to, to, you know, to seek our own, our own flourishing. Um, well, now you're, now you're saying that we're all wired to seek our flourishing when you started off this entire discussion by saying, I think that you have too rosy of a picture of what people are willing to do, and let me give you some examples of how people can be inevitable. No, 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 no. I, I, I believe that, that people are, to some extent, limited, wired to seek their own flourishing in terms of you're just going to eat, but you're just going to eat, you're going to, uh, you're going to, you're going to, most people are going to look around for a, for a mate or something like that. People are going to do, that's what I'm thinking of in terms of flourishing. As okay. far as something beyond their own sort of limited flourishing. I don't think they, most people tremendously by nature care. I think they can be conditioned into caring. Um, I think yeah. they can, I think if they think about certain moral principles, they can be um, conditioned. I do too, and I think that that condition can occur both by appealing to some God, whether or not that God exists, because you can tell someone you need to care about other people because God want you to and if you don't do it he's going to send you to hell and if you do do it then maybe you'll get to spend eternity in in heaven you can do it with that whether that's true or not you can motivate people with a lie but secular humanism is striving to motivate people with the truth as best we can understand it here is what the consequences of our actions are we are stuck here on this ball interacting and as far as we can tell it is up to us to solve those problems. And it is up to us to come up with motivations because let's say you convince someone that they should be good because of a God. Pick a God, doesn't matter. What happens when they stop believing in that God? Now they don't have a foundation at all. But if you convince people based on a secular humanist view that they should be moral and then we find out there's a God, that doesn't change anything at all about our behavior or morality. As a matter of fact, as I've said many times, if there is in fact a God and he's not a humanist, screw him. I don't care what he thinks. Can he squash me like a bug? Yes, but that doesn't make him more moral. Can he send me to hell? I will go to hell knowing that I was a morally superior to the thug that sent me there. God doesn't solve any of this. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to pursue that. Uh, I'm still, I still don't get where the, where the moral obligation is coming in for someone who you know, if, if you have a, a conditional statement, if X, then Y, if you're seeking well-being, then here's how you get to Solve it. Solve it with God. What, no. is, what is my moral obligation with your God model? Oh, it, it, no, that's actually, that's actually very simple. Do you really, do you, by the way, do you really not see the difference between, let's, let, I'm going to, I've been around some, some shady characters in my life. I've been in mental hospitals, prisons, jails, everything. And believe me when I tell you, there are people who are sitting down across from you, they're having a, you know, they're, 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 they're talking completely normally, but they're sitting there wondering what your face would look like as the blood runs out of you if they slit your throat or what you would, you know, look like if they started, you know, peeling out patterns of your skin or something. Do you really not see the difference between saying, what is this person across from me? If I ask the, the sort of a, the, the big questions about what this person is, how did he get here? Um, what is he? Where is he going? What is his purpose? Um, asking these kinds of questions, you get very different answers on atheism and theism. You know, if you're starting off with, well, I got here because, you know, my 
you know, ancestors did a better job finding a mate and things like that. Where am I heading? Well, I'm heading for extinction one way or another. Um, what wow. am I here for? Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm this kind is of a the most ridiculous, DNA. fatalist straw man. Because first of all, you went to atheism versus theism, and I'm sitting here talking about secular humanism as a foundation versus God. Well, no, I, Hang I, I'm, on. I'm using atheism as a negation of, of theism here. If you're talking about so, you to compare are using God atheism no God. as an equate as being equal to fatalism. Where are you going? No. I'm headed. Where are you going? I'm headed towards extinction. That is the most. Is that true according to atheism? No, that's not where I'm going. We're not going. Is it a fact that ultimately humans will probably be extinct? That's all I'm saying. Yes. That's all I'm saying. But that. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying that's that's the end of the You are dismissing everything that matters. No, I'm saying that's where we're heading. Absolutely no. If you talk about, I want to know this person and where they come from and where they're heading, you don't just go, eh, they're going to die. Because you skipped over everything the, that matters. The only thing I that we know purpose. matters. I included purpose in there. I said, you, no, like I said, I'm not where talking we, where about we purpose. From, where we're going, what My our God, purpose it's is. It's like talking to a wall. You, uh, let me explain how you are skipping everything that matters. Well, okay, can I finish my point and then you can explain what I'm missing? If your point is to answer the question that I asked, which is All please solve that problem by appealing to God. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Um, let, let me qualify this by saying all I'm doing is giving my personal view when I was an atheist and a psychopath, so don't apply this to, to anyone else. If I have a person in front of me and I am thinking to myself, wow, well, I wonder what this person's uh, face would look like if I slashed his throat as the blood rained out of him. What, 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 what color pale is he gonna turn? How quickly is it going to be? Um, if I look at that person and I'm thinking, what is this person according to this worldview or according to, or according to that worldview? Well, according to one worldview, which was my personal worldview at the time, this person is an accident based on an accident in an accidental universe, accident, 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 heading for extinction, machine for propagating DNA, kind of disgusting because he walks around thinking that everything he does is really, really important. Does he have limited meaning? Yes. Does he have people that he interacts with that care about him? Yes. Oh, that's true. Why should I care about that? Versus... This person is created in the image of God, created with certain rights, and I'm not allowed to do that sort of thing because I'm created in the image of God too, and there is a standard of goodness out there. And if I do not see, if I do not have within myself some sort of conscience that compels me to behave in a certain way, or that would at least incline me to behave in a certain way, I'm defective, I'm messed up. So my view was, when I was an atheist, and I recognized I don't have the same moral reactions that other people have, is I'm just at a, I'm just at a, you know, I'm just wired differently and I'm, on a, I'm a different kind of humanity. There's nothing where I'm wrong and, and they're right. From a theistic perspective, if there is a ground of morality and human beings are created with the cognitive, see, that's, that, that's kind of the difference I, that I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of uh, theism is if God creates us, he creates us with cognitive abilities, cognitive faculties, uh, our processes for reasoning and so on. We have different kinds of experience. We see things that we generally trust our cognitive faculties. We trust our reasoning ability. We trust our memories. We know that they can all be flawed, but we generally trust these kinds of things. Then if, um, if we have moral experience, that certain things seem really objectively right and other things seem really objectively wrong and some things seem intrinsically good and other things seem intrinsically bad. From a theistic perspective, you would look at that as God created this 
there is a standard of good, there is a source of moral obligation, and we are created to be able to apprehend those kinds of things. And because we are created to apprehend those kinds of things, we can trust, not all the time we can be wrong, but we can trust certain things like human beings are created in the image of God and they have certain rights and we shouldn't trample on them and we should treat people well and things like that. If I'm an atheist, I don't see how I'm not supposed to, if I think that there are moral obligations, um, if I think that there are intrinsic moral goods, and I think what possible basis could there be for this on my worldview, I can only conclude that certain, you know, people in general are wired to do this. They're, they, it, believing these things help their species to flourish. They help, their, they help the species for, uh, survive, but there is no reality out there. Their, their beliefs about objective right and wrong and good and bad, they don't correspond to reality. You're just wired to think those, or you've been convinced by society to believe those things. And so if I'm looking across at a person deciding whether to slit his throat, on one worldview, you, you might not do it either way, and most people don't do it, regardless of their worldview. But you could be looking across and say, what is this person? He's a cosmic accident. The, the universe doesn't care, and I don't care. Some people might care, but who cares? Now, I think you want to say, well, you know, you could do that on theism. The, the, the point on theism is, if I were to do that, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I'm killing someone who, who bears the image of God. I'm slitting the throat of Why someone is that who wrong? bears the image of God. Why is that wrong? Um, where, well, where, where is it in God as a concept, as a foundation, that directly implies or states that it is wrong to kill someone who was created in the likeness of God? Where is that? Um, again, if we have... I tell you where it is. You pulled it right out of your head. It is your preference. If, for example... I if, didn't pull it out of my head. There's nothing like that. In, there was nothing like that by nature in my head. Somebody put it in there then. I agree. So, if God were to tell you to jump over here and slice my skin off my face, would you do it? I would, I, what are you talking about? I would, I would regard that as not from God. I would regard it as like a mental problem. I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll leave, let me give you an example about what you just said. I'm saying, I'm, so, so if you believe that God told you to do that, you would, well, you're, you're saying you just wouldn't believe that God would tell you to do that. So were the Midianites created in the image of God when God told them to go slaughter the Midianites? Um, you're, well, if you were, if you were saying back then before, sure. I, I, I believe were the Midianites created in the image of God? And did you're, God tell them to go kill the Midianites? You want me to explain the, the, the covenants? No, I believe people can be, I believe God can, I believe that God can wipe us all out or- Did God or instruct them to kill the Midianites? Yeah. Then why would you not believe that God is instructing you to kill me? Because I've, I'm under a different covenant, right? I'm under a Christian covenant. Okay, well, maybe you should have shown up with that Christian covenant because what I asked you to do was solve this problem by appealing to God, and you can't. Because I believe I can. Because I just gave you a, a gazillion and one minutes to try to do so, and we didn't get I there. I did. The, the, because the, the question you are was, just you really asserting not? that because they're created in God's image and you're created in God's image, you are, some, you are under some obligation to not do so. But that obligation doesn't come from anything other than your say-so because you didn't present any sort of model. You just said, God is, and because God is, I must not. And that is not a model. That is not any sort of uh, system at all. There's nothing. Is it possible for there to be a God model that serves as a foundation for morality and does not carry an implication that you shouldn't kill someone who's created by God? Um. I think that would be more on the lines of, of theism, but, but theism would generally, that would generally be kind of, and I've been kind of sticking with kind of sort of a mere theism, might be slightly expanded because it's uh, also including uh, created in the image of God. But you but, went uh, to this but, fatalist thing and you noted that as an atheist and a psychopath, my view is this, and what I tried to explain to you is that you skipped over everything that's important. 
The fact that I'm going to die someday mm -hmm. does not mean that the intervening time isn't where the value is. And so when you want to know where someone's going, you don't just want to know the destination. You want to know all the things that they're going to do and contribute to life along the way. My only point um, there was different, different answers from theism and, and atheism. That's, that's wow. true. Everything it, I just said was true. It is like a brick wall. It really is. Okay, do you get the same answer? Identically, yes, and I'm going to be extinct, but you have skipped from the beginning to the end and ignored over everything that matters. The only thing that we know matters. I don't know anything about a life after this I one. Didn't. I didn't. I, I know this our present one purpose. Life. I said our present purpose. So I said you get different answers, right? You got to you got to categorize. Them. Like you if I say get, where I come from. You get from. a different answer if you're an atheist and a psychopath who, who who falls into a fatalist model. That is not on atheism this. It is not because someone will go extinct at some point, that's their destination and that's all that I care about. You skipped over it. If you really want to know who this person is, where they're coming from, where they're going. If you really care about their impact on the world, the fact that they're gonna die someday is irrelevant. The point is, if you kill them now, you limit all of the impact that takes place from the time you kill them until the time they die. You don't get to gloss over that and suggest, oh, well, we're all gonna die anyway. That's, that's the atheist fatalism thing. You have skipped everything that that person's going to do. That is the reason not to kill them now is because of what they're going to do and how it's going to impact you and everybody you care about and them between now and when they would have died otherwise. And you skipped right past it. I, I don't know what you do. I was trying to be short and I said purpose. I said you've got basically where we come That's from, where purpose. we're at now, and where we're headed. Right. So, uh, again, theism and atheism give us very different no, they, um, answers it, 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 to it's Theism and questions. atheism give us different answers. Atheism does not give us the answer that you suggest. That's atheism, psychopathy, uh, psychopathy, and fatalism. And atheism isn't fatalism, and atheism isn't psychopathy. You already agree that I'm completely right, that we are headed for extinction. That, 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 was, the, that was the only point. I rest, my, point I rest my case. If we're just going to do pedantic, and the no, only I'm point not, is that I'm we're going to... Okay, the only, please, you're making, please tell you're making me a huge how point making the point that we're all going to die is in any way relevant to whether God or secular humanism is a better foundation for The only for thing ethics. I was saying there is that theism would give you a different answer from atheism on these questions. We're it not relevant. here. It, it, you're not saying it's not relevant to, to you know, if, if I ask where we came from, where we are, and where we're going, that those questions aren't, uh, aren't relevant? They aren't relevant. If your answer is somebody had sex and eventually we're going extinct, Morality is about all the stuff that happens in between. Mm -hmm. And I didn't come here to say atheism says this. I'm talking about secular humanism. The subject of this debate is, is mm -hmm. secular humanism a better foundation than... It's no foundation. It is absolutely a foundation. There's no foundation. Okay. What? No, I, I agree that if you subscribe to secular humanism, you can say, Here, here's all I these have things. nothing further. He's agreed with all of my points and done nothing to demonstrate how God fixes any of these problems at this point. We might as well go to questions because we're just beating the same horse. Um, well, I would, I would disagree there. You can there. use the rest and, of and the keep, time. Keep, I don't know how much keep, is there. Keep in mind, Matt, when, when, I, when I talk about viewing someone differently from the perspective of an atheist and a theist, I'm talking about my personal experience here. You don't care. That's I, not relevant to no, this debate. Yeah, it is because I'm telling you. It's uh, not. It's obviously the. How does your personal experience show whether God or secular humanism is a better foundation? If given, I understand I have other, there are other issues at play. So I'm not just singling these things out. I'm saying this is the relevant change in how I treat people. If I go from someone who will decide it's a, it's a good idea, it's something I'd like to do to bash someone's head in, and then I bash someone's head in, right? And I think they're that pointless and meaningless. 
because I'm looking at it from the big picture of here's the universe, here's us, do we have meaning? Yeah, rats have meaning. Rats have meaning in the sense you're talking about rats have meaning, mice have meaning. We will not hesitate to squash a bug, even though that, that bug has, you know, seeks its flourishing, we will not hesitate to, to step on some, some ants. Some of us do. We're not concerned some about that do. sort of thing. So I'm looking at it from that perspective. You've got all these different species, you've got all these machines for propagating DNA, and this one thinks it's so important that we're gonna you know, do all these things and seek our own flourishing, and who cares what else we trample on? I'm looking at and just going, it's, just, it's a joke. It's a, big, it's a big giant joke that we think that all of this really matters. Again, my personal perspective. If you think you I are became in any way, a, I became ahead. a theist, I became a theist, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, this person is not just you know, this machine for propagating DNA, not a cosmic accident, there's a purpose behind him. You still have all the same things like this person you know, is important to that person or this person has that relationship, but it's built into reality. It's built into reality somehow that there are objective moral goods, objective moral bads, so that we have, we have moral obligations, and even if I'm somehow born without a conscience, that means I'm defective and that other people could be right. And so if you're talking about, um, if you're talking about God commanding this or God commanding that, I believe God can wipe us all out. In fact, that was my argument as an atheist. If God existed, he would wipe us all out. We're pretty disgusting characters, so I understand I'm messed up. Um, so God can do that. As far as the covenant I'm under, I'm commanded to seek the good of all people, to pursue peace with everyone, things like that. There are exceptions because you have, you know, people like, you know, terrorists or Hitler or something like that. But I'm talking about my personal. So that's why that's why this is so important from my perspective is I'm someone who goes from almost in an, almost in an instant. I want to kill and slaughter everyone in the world to. I don't want to hurt anyone and you can't, you can't make me. And it's just, it's just from viewing people as here's a lump of cells that thinks it's important and isn't versus this person created in the image of God and is, an, is a bearer of the image of God. To say that that's irrelevant, you can't get much out of that, where did I get it from? I wasn't being influenced by other people. I was in a jail cell. I'm in a jail cell by myself, Bullshit. and it goes I heard from your story. Shift. There was a guy who introduced you all this and gave you a Bible and talked with you. He was just talking, no, 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 he was just talking about Christianity and truth. Then I went to a cell, then I went to a cell, and okay. back there in a cell by myself. I'm talking about once I convert, right? The day before I converted, I was sitting around thinking about torturing people and thinking about all the people I wanted to get revenge on, and so on. I convert, and instantly, wow, I'm, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if I don't feel this way or that way. I'm not allowed to touch these people. I'm not allowed to torture these people. I'm not allowed to skin these people. I'm not allowed to do that sort of thing. If you stop so, believing, if, if something were to happen and you were stopped believing, would you go back to wanting to kill and torture? Would you actually do it? If, if I stopped believing in God and Christianity, yeah. would I go back? And, I, and actually I, do it? I have to say, I do understand that, you know, there might be a different betu difference between an 18-year-old and a 40-some-year-old in terms of, you know, what they want to do. If I had to guess, I would say probably yes. I, ca I can't then say. I, 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 can't, want, I want I you to keep believing. I, I, can't I don't say, care to try to I, dissuade I can't you any say I, would, I can't say I would go around killing people. I don't know. I would be much quicker, I would be much quick, quicker to punch someone in the face um, than, I, than I would be. Um, as a Christian. But l notice what you just said there. Uh, you said you want me to be a Christian. So it sounds like, it sounds like there's, a, there's a kind of hierarchy here of 
what people should believe. What it sounds like is you. we have a data point of one, and this is the only thing that will work for you because it's the only thing that you will accept because of who you are. Because, but because that, I'm not but going that my does not mean that God is a better foundation than secular humanism. What it means is that David's concept of God and what it entails is the one thing that he will accept that will do this, and that is not a case for this. This is what secular humanism is about. It's not just like, let's look at an individual, let's look at the data and everything else. Your particular notion of God has no foundation, no demonstration that it is real in any way, and nothing that will motivate anybody else to share it other than you being able to convince them that it's real. But that doesn't mean that it is in any way a better foundation. It doesn't fix a problem. If you don't agree with secular humanism and I can't convince you, okay, we're stuck. If I don't agree with your version of God and you can't convince me, okay, we're stuck. But at least we both know that what secular humanism puts forward, both in the manifestos and from everyone who's advocating for this, this system, not that there's some authority dictating it, but this is the system, the goal of a better human life, the recognition that we have to solve these problems apparently ourselves until some divine being steps in and maybe even after then, that we should rely on data, evidence, reason, and that human life has value to us because we're human. That's the part of the, of, of the reality that carries with it this seeming objective motivation. And the fact that it seems that way doesn't mean it is. So there's no real objective. No. Mo there's no objective. Not real in the sense that you're talking about where there's some so universal people, imperative. People, people who People who believe that when they're saying you have an objective moral obligation not to bash someone's head in or not to shoot a man in Reno, they're kind of kind It's of only objective with respect to the goal. Just like yeah. so there's, there's no, no objective. Just moving chess if there's no rules. And so if you don't have that goal, it's more of a situation where society is going to impose or, or sort of quarantine you, and it doesn't even have to be because you did really. Yes. It doesn't have to be because you, you actually violated Because an you are in fact wrong about what is better for you and we are working towards what is better, and the people who are wrong about what is better, that's, we are the only, we are the only ones who can step in and seek justice. There's apparently no God in, concerned or interested in seeking justice. Justice comes from us. Compassion comes from us. Help comes from us. We are the actors, we are the participants, we are the beneficiaries, and there's zero reason to think that anybody else, no sense of cosmic justice, no sense of karma, no, uh, reliving lives, nothing. Good, bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And some people do bad things and get away with it. And there is no absolute justice that anybody can see. It is our duty for the sake of a prosperous, better society to impose justice, to be the thing that imbues the universe, a thoughtless, careless universe with justice. And until somebody demonstrates another justice that is real, it's the only one we have. So human beings, you've got all these different species, creatures, and so on, different kinds of machines for propagating DNA. You have machines that are for you know, making toast, but then you have living machines, and they pass on their DNA. Suddenly you get to human beings, and one more straw man. I'm no, no, I'm, 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 I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you on this part. Um, you have all these different species and none of them, not, you know, they all seek their flourishing, but you get to human flourishing and our job as human beings is to impose justice 
on a completely, uh, a completely amoral world. We impose justice. Yes. What I'm hearing, seriously, what, what, I, what I'm hearing, um, and whenever you're talking about you know, seeking the, 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 the well-being or uh, when you, even more so when you're saying that, there are, uh, that we have obligations that apply to us just because what we've received from society and there's this obligation to go and do certain things and so on. But when you, especially when you start talking about imposing justice on the world, it's just clear that it's just clear that we're so utterly, completely different from everything else. It's almost like you have a view that would correspond to us being created in the image of God, that we are here imposing justice. We're these great things. And what I'm saying is, if you have an atheistic worldview, yeah, you can say secular humanism and stuff, but what are we? What are we according to an atheistic worldview? We're nothing like that. And so, Matt, I'm just, I'm just saying, Really, when I sit down with an the atheist? atheistic worldview has nothing to say about what we are or what we value or anything else. Every time you keep going back to atheism and you do the, we're just, again, uh, again, we're just again, machines the, for replicating again, DNA. I'm contrasting that no, with DNA. you are putting up the I'm massive straw man because I care about human beings and that's all that fucking matters. I don't need a God to care about human beings Didn't for say me. You did. I granted that at the beginning. Nobody does. And appealing to a God to say, if somebody thinks, oh, there's no God or there's no reason to care about human beings, appealing to a God to say, ah, oh, here's why you should care about human beings, when there's no demonstration of a God, doesn't get you anywhere. But appealing to secular humanism to show people how and why they can and should value other human beings because it is in their best interest. You can get to the appearance of altruism through nothing but selfishness. You can get to the appearance of That's altruism. That's your moral system, selfishness? Like, out of selfishness for yourself, therefore you should... You can get to the appearance of altruism and a better world through purely selfishness. Selfishness. Yes. So selfishness is... I said you can. Mm -hmm. I didn't say it is the single motivation. Mm -hmm. So kind of... If, because if, 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 I, if I want my life to be life, better... I need a good world. If I want my life to be better... I have to help other people as well because what they do impacts my life. It, it's not a myopic selfishness of, I want to get laid right now, so I'm just going to force sex on somebody. It is a broad-viewed selfishness. There's nothing wrong with selfishness, and you can't get to anything that says there is with God. No, my, my only point is, if you're really doing it out of selfishness and you think, well, I need to yes. obey all these, more, you know, all these you know, it's basic morality, because if I don't, then the world's going to be, you know, much worse. I don't think it is. I think you can walk down the street well, right wrong. here. I think you can walk down the street gunning people down. It doesn't really change the world. Walking down the street gunning people down is not a broad view of selfishness. Of course, if I walk down the street gunning people down, it's I'm not in my best do. interest. I'm just saying, that is not selfishness. If you're talking about that is another straw man of selfishness. I'm, I've, I've made it very clear. You can get to the appearance of altruism and a better world I agree. through selfishness. I agree with all that. I'm, okay. I'm going with the implication. So the one, one implication I would say is if, you're at, if your motivation is actually selfishness and you're doing this to sort of a, okay. uh, get a good world just for myself, for my own benefit, yep. it kind of follows that if you're ever in a situation where you think you really have a good chance of getting away with something and you don't think you'll get caught, then, and your motivation is selfishness and it's not really going to change the world much if you, if you do it, then you might as well do it. And I just say, pretty much every, everyone I was in prison with had that exact same You can't mentality. fix that by appealing to a gun. Of course you can. No, you can't. Of course you can. No, you can't. We know that for a fact. Do people who believe in God do bad things? 
Yeah, but they're yep, acting done, inconsistently. Done. done. Your objection yeah, you, look, is you, that no. Your objection is that there may be scenarios in which you can convince yourself that I might as well do it because I'm going to get away with it. Isn't that what everybody is doing who believes in God? That they think they're going to get away with it? They're going to go to confession and get forgiven for their sins. They're going to bow, prostrate themselves mm -hmm. and repent at some point, and get forgiveness of their sins. That is what they're all doing. They think they can get away with it. Mm -hmm. your, the problem you're, you're addressing, first of all, is an outlier in the normative behavior of human beings. It's generally not, hey, let me see what I can get away with, because we don't know what's going on and we don't necessarily know the full impact of our actions. But encouraging a society where people are encouraged to do whatever they think they can get away with demonstrably leads to a worse society, doesn't it? I think you missed the entire point of, of what I was saying. If you take selfishness as a model, right, this is why I'm I'm helping create an, an altruistic society or something like that, or this is why I'm going to be altruistic or something like that. If selfishness is the model, then you can be selfish and do other things. And there's nothing that's within your selfish, selfishness-based worldview that would that, that says that that's wrong. My I, just, my entire, I literally just described it to you three seconds before you told me I missed the point. And that is no, this. No, you didn't. I absolutely did. And that is this. If we encourage a sort of society where people can do something because they think they can get away with it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying do that. I'm saying just you. I'm saying just you. If you encourage, suppose your, your motivation is selfishness and you want people to behave in a certain way because that's in your best interest. If you think you can get away with it, you're not talking about encouraging society. You're not talking about any side. You're talking about you. My actions you, encourage things in society. Not, I, I'm saying if you think you if you think no one's going to find out about it, you think you can get away with it. I mean, let's change it. Let's suppose you know let, let, we can have a, a, a Plato scenario, a Republic scenario, where you get the ring of Gyges and you know you could get away with it. Should you do that anyway? Well, if if your motive is selfishness, if your motive for what you do is selfishness, and you know you can get away with it, it's not going to affect anything else. Then there's nothing in your worldview that actually says you're wrong. Yes, there if is, theism, and I've described it over is, and over and over theism, again now. If theism you're not is going to get away with it. My actions it. have an impact. Oh, if I steal from this and nobody knows, like I don't get caught in going to jail, that is not the only way that it has an impact. Prices go up. The markets change. You're going to pay for that one way or another in some sense. No, it doesn't. It is absolutely naive. That's completely false. Okay. If you, if you go and steal a Coke, prices of Coke are not going up. Not, nothing's changing. If it's not changing. The what you do is not going to change the world. Wow. I mean, if, if you go and steal something, if you got away with something, it's not changing the world. You can do it, something big enough does. to change the it's, world. It may be a largely negligible, negligible impact for that particular thing. But so it if does, selfishness is your motivation, does, why not go for it? But it does change the world. And the reason to not go for it is because this isn't, first of all, selfishness isn't the foundation that I came here to present. I was saying that it is one possible foundation you can get to a sense of alter. You already agreed mm -hmm. with that. The secular humanism thing recognizes that we should be acting in accordance with what we're encouraging others to act, that I'm not special, that I don't get to make special exemptions for me. And if we encourage that sort of behavior in everybody else in society, then the consequences are minimized. Well, how's God fix it? How's God fix what? Any of this stuff, any objection you appealing to God solves nothing. Again, you are, you're talking to someone. You're, right now, you are speaking to someone who said... Who is convinced that God changed them. How does that solve the problems you point out in morality? You're talking to someone who went from being completely willing to bash someone's head in 
and wanting to kill almost everyone he came into contact with, two, not wanting to hurt anyone, that there was some sort of change there. The biggest part of the, 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 the matter of fact, the, the only relevant change there was a change in belief, and you're saying God doesn't do any of that. God, God, you know, belief in God doesn't do any of that, or, or God doesn't do any of that. No, and I'm, I'm not. Tell, I'm telling you, I'm there's saying a, there's belief a massive... in God can do that, has done that for you. I okay. said that multiple times, that you can convince people to be better with a lie and be better with something that's not true. The question is, which is a better foundation? And you started with God and theism, completely not defined, no propositions, no system, no nothing. And as we proceed through the discussion, we get to, well, I'm talking about God who's a creator, and that implies that if you're created in the image of God and I'm created in the image of God, that implies that I shouldn't kill you because you're created in the image of God and you have some rights. Where the hell did that come from? That wasn't anything in your argument for God. And by the way, the fact that God created somebody does not necessarily impose this, this idea that they shouldn't be killed because they're also in the image of God. And for somebody who follows Oh, oh, I'm in a different covenant. Sorry, God used to be a dick, but now he's not. God used to say, don't kill people who are like me, but now he does, or didn't used to say that, but now he does. There's nothing about that that serves as a foundation. There's no agreement on what the goals are. There's no agreement on what God wants. That's a reason there's thousands of denominations that all identify as Christian, not to mention all the other religions that have their version of God, and God in this nebulous sense. This is why I was trying to say, which is a better foundation? Some particular Christian model that you put forward or the secular humanist model that I put forward. But like always, we argue some nebulous God concept and put up straw men saying, well, if you're an atheist, you just believe you're going to go extinct and you can be selfish, but you're never going to get there. And you can't, you can't do this. You, have no, you, you cannot solve a single problem that you're objecting to. And of the course, proof of that of if we're, is if, that I don't believe you, so it wouldn't work on me. That's the proof of it. That's exactly the same thing you're trying to do is say, God changed me, so it must work. Work is not the same as better. Um, yeah, as far as uh, I, I, think, I think we've covered this, but if we're talking about God, right? So if we just start off with what human beings normally mean by morality, right? That they would say, hey, you know, shooting this man, bashing this man's head in, something like that. Um, we have sort of moral intuitions that certain behaviors are wrong. We can, we can, we can violate them. We can be wrong about all kinds of things. But we believe that certain moral obligations, even if it's just seeking the well-being of other people and so on, um, that we have certain moral obligations. And we look and we can see, hey, this person is violating a moral obligation and that's why he is to be punished. So we have these beliefs. If we believe that we are created by God, again, then if we believe that we are created by God, then we also believe, just as part of the definition of God, that, that God is good by nature and so on. He's the foundation of goodness, however people want to put it. Um, but then he creates us. If we're in his image, then we're also bearers of that goodness. And it gives us a different perspective on moral intuitions. We are, these things are not just illusory. They're not just something that helped, us, uh, helped our ancestors pass on their, their genes more. These are actually giving us insight into reality, and we can take them seriously and work through them, try to come to agreement, try and figure out what they are and uh, clear ourselves from error, but they correspond to reality. Certain basic moral truths are actually part of morality. If we have a different worldview, we might come to very different conclusions. I have moral 
uh, if, if a person has a moral sense and believes that certain things are wrong, according to certain worldviews, they would regard that as some sort of delusion, that it doesn't correspond to reality. Yes, it might help my species, yes, it might this, but it's not an objective moral wrong. It's something different entirely. You've agreed with that. You've said, yes, there is no moral obligation. There's no moral obligation there. Um, the only sorts of things you could call obligations are once you've agreed to seek a certain goal, there, there are things that you know, can help you get there and so on. Again, that is very different from what, from what people... It's not agreement. I've said that three times now, I think, probably. It's not, it's not that you agreed. You're playing the game, no matter what. You might not think you have any moral obligation, but the... Go ahead. We've got a, at some point, pretty quick, we've got a... If one of you is willing to defer to the other for the last word, and then we can... I will defer to David for the last word. All right. Again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, other people, I, I understand most people can... Um, most people can live perfectly uh, normal lives and so on, and uh, plenty of people would be willing to uh, agree with Matt on that. And as far as getting along in this world, um, if you, you know, if you, if you are Christian and so on, you believe in certain moral commands like seek peace with, uh, with everyone and um, do good to others and to all people and so on, then I believe you could get to Pretty good, pretty good system of morality if you're seeking the good of the whole. Now, Matt seems to be along the same lines. He's seeking the good of the whole, uh, but at the end of the day, as far as a basis for that, seeking the well-being of our, of our species, I think we all do that. As soon as you start talking about imposing justice on the world and so on, I think you're ending up with a, a more theistic view of human beings, not something that flows out of a, uh, a different kind of worldview. So. so was that the last word in the discussion, or was that the closing? I interpreted it as that was maybe your closing statement. Oh, no, I thought we were just ending the discussion. You had conclusions on there. Gotcha. So what we'll do is go into the five-minute conclusions. And thanks so much for all of your questions, <coughs> folks. We'll try to get through as many as we can, but realistically, with only about 25, 30 minutes tops for the Q&A, we do want to respect the time of the debaters. So we honestly won't get to all of them, but we'll sure try. So we are going to start the clock for five minutes for David's Closing. Oh, I wanted to give him the last word. He, start, he went first. He should oh, go. He, he, he should go last. First and last. It's because there's a disadvantage. It should be first. Plus, I only need two minutes. Okay. So we'll get it going. You bet. You can have moral intuitions, and they can be wrong. You can be wrong about what you want the world to be. It feels like there's some objective obligation. How did you rule out that this is your natural instinct for survival, coupled with societal? pressures and the fact and the recognition that you have to share space with other people and that empathy and cooperation are demonstrably in our best interest. There's no demonstration that there is in fact some objective moral imperative or that there could be or that there's anybody here or there to impose that. This is the foundational recognition that secular humanism begins with. As far as we can tell, we are the ones that are going to have to seek justice because nobody else is going to do it for us. We are the ones who are responsible for the life we live and its impact on other people. And so secular humanism sets up a system that says we are going to move forward based on empathy, based on education, discovery, discussion, and data. We have this as a goal and we can manipulate and redefine the goal as we need in order to make sure that we are constantly moving towards a better world. There is no demonstration of that in the single God 
word, label, personage, theism. There's not even really much of that in the slightly better defined God as the creator thing that we eventually got to after the opening statement did nothing but talk about how secular humanism can account for something that I wasn't defending in the first place. How can something that isn't a system, doesn't have any demonstrable properties, ever be a better foundation than something that is a system and does have demonstrable properties and goals? It can't. This debate was over the second that the subject was set. Gotcha. Thank you very much, Matt. We will now kick it over to David for his closing statement. Thanks so much. All right, as, as far as the part of Matt's view that I agree with, um, in his opening statement, he said that, um, that there's nothing really in the universe that would, uh, that would require you to seek the well-being of uh, humanity. Um, agree with that. Um, he said that, it, but if we um, actually establish some goals and so on, there can be right ways of, of getting there. I, I agree with all of that, and as I pointed out, that was exactly, exactly my view of morality uh, when I was an atheist and when I was doing some, some very, very bad things. That yes, if I were to agree to seek the well-being of humanity, then I would be required to do these things, but I'm not, I don't accept it. Um, so I pointed out that implication of what he just said and that according to him, I did nothing wrong. After that, he got into a lot of things that I just, I, I disagree with. I uh, started trying to come up with moral obligations from uh, you know, if you're part of society, you owe a debt to society and so on. And these things are going far beyond, uh, far beyond those initial claims that, you know, if you're doing this, then we can figure out what gets to this. If you're talking about we have a you know, moral obligation to impose justice in, in the universe and things like that, where are you getting those from? So I think he went from actually laying out something that, that I, can, I can understand and grasp to something that is, uh, let's face it, these, these moral values are just, and, and obligations are just hanging out in the middle of nowhere. Um, he, as far as, as, far as uh, God as a foundation for morality, I think we're just looking at this in two very different ways. Matt is looking for some sort of like system of rules. And it, it, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe this. It's, it's almost that it's a view I find uh, very commonly among uh, my Muslim friends who they believe like they need a rule for everything. They need all this massive sets of rules or they just can't figure out anything. And, and as far as they're concerned, you don't know how to go to the bathroom unless God tells you. You just don't know what to do. Uh, God has to tell you how to step into the bathroom, how to wipe yourself, things like that. Um, so we need all of these, we need uh, you know, all of these lists of rules. We need this entire system in place. Whereas I'm looking at it very differently saying, okay, one kind of experience that human beings have. And very interestingly, uh, Part of the, the strongest, most internal experience to human beings you know, is their experience of uh, belief in moral obligations and their moral judgments and their belief in moral values and so on, especially the, the moral value of human beings. They have this internal experience that in, in a way is, is closer, to their clo closer to their core and more important to them than a lot of the, their, their experience of the world. It's the, some, some of their most internal experience. How are we to look upon that experience, right? How are we to look upon our beliefs about moral obligations, about human rights, about other people having rights? Well, if we have a certain view, and I'm, again, I'm speaking from experience here, and we think about how we came to our views from an, an atheist perspective, not, this is not secular humanism, just to be clear, from, this is the negation of theism, from an atheistic perspective, where did we get those? 
You can either say we were wired to believe them, in which case that's not giving you anything like what you believe your moral beliefs are. It's not giving you anything like that. You would have to conclude if, you, if they arose from being wired in a certain way, you're, you're kind of delusional, right? You're delusional. A lion that moves into another pride of lions will kill off all the baby lions to make room for its own offspring. It's wired to do that. It has nothing to do with whether it's good or bad. Likewise, if I'm just wired to behave in certain ways, that tells me nothing about whether my behavior is really good or bad. I'm just wired to do that. Alternatively, uh, you could be influenced by society to have these moral views. Well, society is not a foundation of anything like objective uh, moral truths either, right? You, you, society can be nice, a society can be horrible, doesn't tell you what your moral obligations are. The society can't do it. The society can influence you, but it can't be the source of anything like an objective moral obligation. So, from an atheistic perspective, my moral beliefs come from one of those sources. They come from one of those sources. Either I'm sort of indoctrinated to believe them or I'm just wired to believe them. Nothing that has nothing to do with what I believe about morality or my moral experience saying that no, some things are really wrong. It's really wrong to shoot a man in Reno just to watch him die. From a theistic perspective, from a theistic perspective, um, if I'm created by God and I'm created to have sort of reliable faculties, reliable reasoning faculties, reliable cognitive faculties, reliable uh, sense perception, and reliable moral faculties, then when we're talking about these moral obligations, just from the perspective of general theism, then we'd say that I am created to comprehend and understand these moral values. We can be wrong about them, just as I can be wrong about what I'm seeing, but that's where we, that's where we strive to actually work through this and figure out what the true moral uh, obligations are. But the point is, that realm, the moral realm, corresponds to reality. It's not a delusion. Thank you very much, both of you gentlemen, for your closing statements. Now, folks, we will be going into the Q&A. So this is going to be, like I said, we are going to try to get to as many as we can. So starting off with Philip, thanks so much for your super chat. Ask question for David. How can it be that God actually cares about morality if your ultimate fate, i.e. heaven or hell, depends only on your belief in him, not what you have actually done during your life? Um, I don't believe that your ultimate fate depends on just belief in God, so that's my answer. You bet. Thanks so much. Andrew Handelsman says, uh, thanks for your super chat, Andrew. They say, Hope everyone is safe and secure. Thanks so much. Appreciate that, Andrew, the solidarity there. And we are in a like fairly good-sized room. It's empty. We Next time for future debates, we'd always love to invite people in, but just because of the circumstances, we are in an empty room today. So we hope everybody else out there is safe. Jonathan, thanks so much for your super chat. Ask question from Matt. What rules would a god who cared about ethics make? Well, despite what David was saying, I don't think it's merely just about rules or that we know what the rules are. It's about the goals and then you discover what rules or what norms work towards those goals. It's To me, this is like, hey, there's a hundred people who went and started a town out in the middle of nowhere and uh, there's nobody coming to help them. Should they just let anarchy prevail or is it in their best interest to get together and cooperatively on some rules and set up a sheriff to enforce those rules? It's not just a pure legalistic thing. It's about here's what actually works better for all of us. And the one person who says, hey, I don't care if it works better for you, that's not a solution. So what, what would a God do? As I pointed out, if there's a God and he's not a humanist, 
someone who cares about the human experience and wants it to actually flourish, I don't care what his rules are because I'm a humanist and that's what my concern is because that's what benefits me and us. And so a God would either come up with, essentially, if they were decent. See, that's the problem is that you get to this point where you just say, oh, we're going we're gonna to go with God and we're going to say that God is defined as good and therefore whatever it is that I think that God's going to do is good. So it was good when he encouraged people to slaughter people, and then when he decided he wasn't going to do that anymore, that was good too. I mean, the, and by the way, yes, that only deals with a handful of religions, Christianity and Judaism and uh, Islam, um, but I'm pretty sure we're not trying to appeal to anything beyond an Abrahamic-styled God. And so it, would a God create a rule that says, hmm, if a man lies with another man as he lies with a woman, they've committed an abomination, they're deserving of death, or thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Uh, not as far as I can tell. None of that is consistent with humanism. None of that is consistent with what is best for human beings. It's defining best as that which is consistent with what this particular God view wants. Well, first I need a demonstration of what God wants and why I should care what a God wants. And if he doesn't want to set up rules that are consistent with actually benefiting human beings, I don't care what rules he sets up. I can't do anything to stop him, but might doesn't make right. Thanks so much. Next question, Michael McCaffrey. This is a great question, so I pushed it to the top of the list because it's really good. So with the, the challenge of each speaker trying to summarize in 30 seconds, that's a tough one, but Michael asks, can you each steel man your opponent. In other words, if you're not familiar with the term, just give like the strongest case for your opponent on their behalf. Sure. We have this moral intuition that there are things that are objectively wrong. And if that's the case, then there must be something that serves as a guarantee that that's actually the case. And whatever that is, sounds a lot like God. Thanks so much, David. Um, we're here in the world. This is the only world we've got. This is the only life we've got. We want to get the most out of it, and we can, we can figure out how we can get the most out of this life. And once we sort of put those rules together and the things that we know from experience, from all of human history, once we've figured that out, then we can continue getting better and better and better and better and learning. Thanks so much, gentlemen. Next up, Jay Shai, thanks for your question. They asked, why ought we increase well-being why is that good? And then he said, there is a categorical imperative. I, I think they're maybe mm. saying, like, does this fit with a categorical? No, I think he's saying that is a character. That's not a, I think he's saying, he can, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but if he's saying seek well-being, you've got a couple of positions. I think Matt's position is we, we, just, we just do it. That we, we just by nature, we, we do it. Um, but I think he's saying that a, a conditional imperative or a hypothetical imperative is if you want this, then this is the way to get it. Whereas a categorical imperative is do this, mm -hmm. right? It's not if you want this. So I think he's saying uh, if we say we have to seek well-being, whether we care about it or not, or whether we want to or not, we just have to do it, then that's, a, that's more of a categorical imperative. I, and I think he's saying how would you reconcile that with, with your view? So I think that's what he means. I see. And my, my view is that there's not a categorical imperative. Gotcha, thanks so much. It is unconditional. Brian Ferrigno, thanks for your super chat, asks, David, assuming that you accept the history of the Bible, what do you think of God condoning the death of other tribes? Was God in line with morality? 
Um, my, my view is God could wipe us all out if he wants to, right? Um, that's my view. So as far as, uh, again, this goes down to covenants, I don't believe that it's wrong for God to kill a bunch of people or for God uh, to, who, who knows, here's what will happen with this group or that group to uh, call for their deaths. And I don't think that's, that's terribly inconsistent if you take Matt's view seriously and think of God as someone who knows all the future, maybe that God knows, hey, this group that's practicing child sacrifice and so on, it's, it's in the best uh, interest of human flourishing down the line that, that something happened, that something changes right here. Uh, so, yeah, that's not my view. My view is from the, from the perspective of a Christian, if you asked me to do that, I would say there was a covenant that was tied to a particular piece of land. There were harsh penalties. There were harsh penalties but there were extreme blessings. God says, if you do this, then you're not gonna have any uh, miscarriages, you're not gonna suffer all these things. And he goes down the list, he's gonna protect them in every way. So massive blessings, but you, they agreed, they agreed. Yes, if you were going to bless us like that, then we'll, be, do, we'll do these things. And then they didn't do those things. Um, the Christian covenant, as a, the, the, the covenant that I'm under as a Christian, is different. It's not tied to a piece of land or to uh, ma maintaining that piece of land or to fighting anyone. Christians are, again, specifically commanded to uh, seek peace with all people, um, to always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.15. If you want to look it up, we're told to honor all people. That's 1 Peter uh, 2.17. So honor all people, uh, seek the good of all people, strive for peace with everyone. These are the commands that are directed towards me. So the point of uh, my point is, as far as a Christian is, you know, as far as the Christian perspective, I, I'm not in a position to be able to go out and kill anyone. I would have to, I would, I would be out of line with the commands that are directed towards me. And I find this all curious and frustrating because the original proposed topic was which is better. God I was or? asked. <laughs> they asked me. Was a question. Oh wait, wait, wait. No, you, are you asking? The original proposed topic was Christianity. So the original proposed topic was God versus atheism, and I pointed out that neither one of those are a system, and so I suggested Christianity versus secular humanism, and what I got back was it would take me two more weeks to prepare if I were to switch to Christianity versus secular humanism, and so we went with God versus secular humanism. And there's another verse, 1 Peter 3.15, which is to be prepared at all times to give the defense of the faith, and so I find it curious that we show up and the entire opening is about how secularism can't do this, but God theism can, and then the further and further and further further and further we get, the first time you propose anything that is about a sort of system where there are actual instructions that would be moral in nature is in the Q&A where you start talking more and more about Christian. We gradually worked from a generic God, which you, I you started told bringing up the Bible. Didn't you start bringing up the Bible? What about this? What about that? And then if we're, and then uh, if we're talking yes, about I, me, then I'm well, talking that's, that's relevant. But no, th th as, far as, as far as the reason for, uh, for you know, secular hu humanism versus Christianity, um, I said I'd be willing to do that, but it's just the, the, the topic foundation of morality, right? Foundation of morality. I don't believe that Christianity is a foundation of, of morality, right? I believe that historically it's, it's quite a, you know, it's, it's been an important foundation of morality uh, in certain areas of the world. But if I'm talking about a, a foundation of morality, uh, I, but, believe, I believe the Hindu, but just uh, the now, Buddhist, you were saying they don't that have a Christianity commands you to seek peace. I was asked about the Bible. But you said that Christianity commands you to seek peace. I was not, asked about not, the Bible. You I was didn't, asked about you didn't my say God commands you to ask, seek peace. I was asked about the Bible. I'm answering a question. Okay. And I'm pointing out how disingenuous it is 
for you to be here as a Christian, as someone who's going to cite the Bible for your own views, to not just say, I believe that in the Bible, God commands us to seek peace, and that is why God is the best foundation. This is, this, this is the sort of, we could have had a discussion Oh, again, again just, I, I'd be, I'd be happy. No, I'm saying I'd be happy to have that discussion. You were talking about two different things. One, we're talking about I don't, you know I, Christianity as a system of ethics. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a philosopher. So if we're talking about like a moral argument. I dispute argument, that, but. That I'm a philosopher? Yeah. <laughs> I have a PhD in philosophy. And? Uh, okay, so I've, uh, I'm, I might be a philosopher. Uh, I'll put it this way. I've studied a lot of philosophy. I'm think if I talk about God being the ground of if I talk about God being the ground of possibility, or uh, God being the ground of morality, or something like that, that's those are philosophical arguments. Like if, if Immanuel Kant were to say uh, he, he even had a uh, he, he had an entire book where he argues that God must be the foundation of all uh, possibility, and so if if there's possibility, then God exists, and so on. If you were to lay out that argument, and someone were, were to come along and say. Uh, you know, but I, I, I don't like the Bible, I don't like Christianity. There's lots of, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a philosophical, a philosophical argument right there. So if I'm talking about, there's two, there's two ways of looking at a foundation of morality, right? I'm thinking of if there is a necessary uh, standard of goodness, that's, that's something like God. That's, independ that's independent of, of Christianity being true. And that's something that even according to Christianity, people around the world can have, can have access to that, whether they have all sorts of other religions or not. So that's where I was going. With that said, I do understand, hey, if you're thinking about a system of ethics and comparing to uh, you know, a religious system with secular humanism or something like that, I understand that. I said I'd be willing to do that, but I'm just saying I, 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 would, I, I haven't even thought through, I haven't even put together my thoughts on it, you know what I mean? And so. yet you are. I was asked about it. And yet you are. How can you not have put together your thoughts? Are you saying something? I shouldn't have answered the question? I'm I should saying, have said too bad. How can you, I, I'm saying, how can you identify as a Christian and then say you haven't put through your thoughts on Christianity and ethics? Compared to secular humanism, it's a different thing. The, 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 original, thing, the, the original thing that I said to, um, uh, to James was, I'm traveling, I'm basically traveling nonstop. I have no time to prepare, any, to prepare for anything. I have a background in philosophy, so I can do something along the lines of the moral argument. Um, as far as you know, thinking through the whole Christian system of, of ethics and so on, I would at least want to, you know, to put my thoughts together so that I could actually uh, present okay. my thoughts. And the point was that philosophy, I, I, I did that for years. I haven't really spent much time presenting a case on Christian ethics versus secular humanist ethics. We've got another question from Alpha Ben. This one's from Matt. They ask, what, why do you think that intention is not required for anything to move toward a goal? For example, non-living to living things. Does this not give evidence towards a creator like God? Can you read it again? Because I'm not convinced that it has anything to do with this subject or what they're even asking. You got it. I'm glad I wasn't the only one confused. Alpha, alpha, and we'll give it one more shot, and then we'll move to the next one. They asked, for Matt, why do you think that intention is not required for anything to move toward a goal? When did I ever say anything remotely like that? I have not only, so I have not said anything like that, and it's not remotely relevant to this debate. Whether or not intention is required for something to move towards a goal, um, actually, 
I think I can sit here, even though I haven't spent a lot of time uh, preparing for this particular question, intention is required to move towards a goal. A goal implicitly, a goal implies an intention. A goal is almost definitionally an intention. There. So I didn't say that, and I believe the opposite, so next. You what? Subtracted, thanks for your super chat. They ask, hey, David, what model of good are we perceiving God on? Are we perceiving the goodness of God based on our definition? Um, well, I, I, speaking from a, a philosophical perspective, it's, uh, uh, I mean, you could, th you could think of it in different ways. Um, if we're talking about, you know, light versus darkness, darkness is the absence of light. Um, Cold is not some independent entity, it's, it's the absence of heat. Uh, philosophers, especially medieval philosophers, they were thinking of God's goodness uh, as sort of uh, connected to God's being. Actually, they were, they were indistinguishable, right? So uh, you think of being versus non-being, um, goodness versus non-goodness, or, or badness if you want to call it, um, light versus darkness, and so on. And so it's. Uh, it's it's not it's not on our concept. It's it's like there, if you if you say there's a ground of, of being or God is the ultimate being or something like that, not precisely clear exactly what that means, but you can kind of get your your, your mind around mind around what it's what it's aiming at. God is the ground of of all being, and so uh, sort of God is the ground of all good, and you that's distinguished that's distinguished from whatever is is not good, which would be like whatever is is non-being. So. I understand that it gets it gets kind of shaky, and again, it sounds you know it sounds mysterious and things like that. But that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with morality. If you believe that you know there are actually objective moral values and that there are uh, objective moral obligations, these things are very mysterious. You don't you don't again you don't find them with a telescope. You don't find them with a microscope. They're different kinds of things. They don't seem to be physical at all if these are actual obligations. And so you need something that kind of transcends the physical world. You need something that transcends humanity if it's able to uh, issue commands over all of humanity. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be mysterious, but that's because the topic, morality, is mysterious as far as what these things are. Now, if you're saying they're all a delusion, then that's a different case. That, that's pretty easy to understand. But if you actually believe that our, our moral uh, are, that there are moral facts that correspond to reality, then you're going to deal. You have to deal with some sort of foundation of, of good, which makes it ultimately circular. God, by definition, is good. Therefore, God is good, and we would be judging God by God's standard of good, because God is the standard of good. This is what happens when you begin with the intuition that there are objective moral facts that have a grounding in some objective moral foundation and I don't actually bother to demonstrate it. You wind up in a position where you just say, that sounds a lot like God, which we've heard over and over. We've got a question from Cosmic Skeptic. Alex is asking Matt, say, uh, he says, is Matt saying that the majority view makes for moral truth? Is ethical truth a democracy? No. Are not exceptions, in fact, quote, counterexamples? No, because the majority can, in fact, be wrong. It is, it is the goal of getting better. We've discovered where we've been wrong before, and we've been monumentally wrong, a lot of us. What the current model is for society at any given moment in time does not mean that that is right. It just means that that is the best representation of our understanding at that moment in time. And the instant that we discover 
our error, as we have many times over in history with regard to equal rights between men and women and slavery and all these other things. Once we do that, that becomes the new high bar of understanding. It is not the society's current understanding that is the moral ideal. It is society's current understanding is their best approximation of what a current uh, of what the moral ideal would be and the constant pursuit of that moral ideal is what allows that to change and morph until we discover how to be better and the entire goal of secular humanism secular moral systems is to get better at getting better with the humility and understanding that we're going to get it wrong it's not like i'm going to say ah this is my current moral belief and i cannot be wrong that is not in any way skeptical. That is not in any way tied to science because science doesn't make proclamations about truth. It has tentative models um, based on our best understanding. It is, I wouldn't call it a science because, you know, scientists would get irritated, but it is science-ish in the process. And that is there's a recognition that we're not gonna know everything, we're not gonna get it right. But if our goal is to honestly pursue better answers at all times, then improvement seems likely. Thanks so much. Anamorphic Mind, thanks for your question. This one's for David. They asked, why were the worst atrocities done to people done by religious figures such as Hitler, a Christian, and Stalin, a Catholic? Oh my goodness. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I'd say that's, com that's completely wrong. Uh, the, the, fact that, that, uh, the fact that the biggest moral atrocities in history as far as sheer numbers are concerned were primarily done by atheist regimes I don't think is uh, it, I don't think that reflects on most uh, atheists but uh, Hitler as far as him at certain times saying positive things about Christianity we, we, we have his uh, what's it called T Hitler's table talk where the people who actually knew him put his comments together um, he despised Christianity. He lamented that the German people had inherited Christianity and not a more warlike ideology. And the ones he mentioned were uh, uh, were Islam and the religion of, I think, the Japanese. But he was lamenting that they did not have a more uh, more violent ideology that could uh, do a lot more good in the world. So he despised Christianity. He, he despised the doctrine of the Trinity. He called it, you know, Christian flabbiness and meekness. And he thought that it. It, uh, it brought about weakness. Uh, Stalin, indisputably, an, an atheist. Um, if you look at the, you know, the, the Chinese regimes, none of, none of these, none of these groups are Christian. And, and for as for any Christians being involved, right? Like you, you would have had Christians, you know, in, in Germany and so on. Um, they're clearly, they're clearly, not operating in line with Jesus' command to love their enemies and things like that, um, or to. Um, always strive after that which is good for one another and for all people or to honor all people. Uh, again, I don't, I'm not applying this to, to atheists in general, but I, I think you're, you're massively misunderstanding something if you're saying these atrocities were somehow Christian in, in nature. Thanks so much. Dean Meadows, thanks for your question. They also weren't secular humanists, so it's not relevant. I agree. Us. I agree completely. Hitler was not a secular humanist. Thanks so much. And in private identified as Catholic and in private also identified as anti-Christian. And in private, Hitler was a hot mess. And while one could view this as a particular, I'll go with perversion of some ideas that could be spawned by Christian. There, you could get from the, from the story of Jesus through some perversion to make the Jews be the enemy. And that happened a lot. Jews and Christians were in conflict. Muslims and Jews were in conflict. 
Protestants and Catholics are in conflict. Well, you can see this all there, but this oversimplification of the worst atrocities were either done by Christians or done by atheists is simply irrelevant and wrong, and it's often just a bunch of internet glurge, when the real issue here is what were the guiding principles? Because even in Soviet Russia, which was atheistic, it was imposed atheism. It was, we are going to outlaw religion and actively persecute people with religion, which, by the way, doesn't represent any modern atheist or atheist you know, mentality of any note, and definitely isn't remotely consistent with secular humanism. It is, though, consistent with some God views, because God views wind up competing. And the only way for God views to evidently resolve those competing disagreements of my God said wipe you out, my God said wipe you out, which I realize he'll put under another covenant, covenant in antiquity. But what's the solution? Ah, go and slay them. Secular humanism has no even hope of getting to kill them because they don't agree with us. That is not anything you could get to. And yet you can get through there with selective readings of the Bible and the Quran and I don't know, pick Upanishads probably, but I, I should probably shouldn't say that because I'm not sure that I'm up on the Upanishads. But. Yeah, um, as far as if you want, if you wanted to nail down, yeah, I think Hitler is a massive mixture. I think he's, he's if, if you if you want if you wanted something, I think it would be closest closest to certain claims of Nietzsche and some some added comments by uh, Nietzsche's sister, who tended to put a, a more anti-Semitic spin on things, combined with a some racist ideologies and and so on that were they were just circulating at that time uh anything he was any, heavy any, into any, any anything else is i think going to be secondary he was heavy into witchcraft and superstition the occult stuff like that this is not this is not somebody who understood skepticism humanity secular humanism and and despite the fact that i'm pretty sure that in hitler's head he thought he was bringing about a better world and i had this conversation with glenn scrivener, scrivener when i was in london and they kind of scoffed at the, oh, your solution to Hitler would have been to sit down and discuss with him whether or not he had a better world. And I'm like, no, once, once, the, once people are being exterminated, the war starts. I'm not a pacifist and I'm not an idiot about what action is required then. But if you could take someone like Hitler, who's developing views about what they think the better world is, and sit down and actually have a discussion, you at least have the opportunity to show that the better world they think they're creating isn't the better world they get with the actions they're taking. Now, a little, little side note, just a question. Uh, Hitler was announcing what he wanted to do beforehand. Now, you're saying you don't kill someone based on, you know, differing, you know, having differing views. Is it, it's only after he starts the killing that you would, you would want to intervene or, or could, could it be before? If, if it, no, in other no, words, no. if a person's views were dangerous enough. I get it. This is, this is a legitimate question. It's something that we have through the course of human history learned how we've gotten it wrong when we've acted too early, when we've acted too late. And so that it gets down to, to basic principles of my right to swing my fist in somewhere before it gets to your face, because we're, you know, secular humanism is going to start with this principle of individual autonomy and, 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 and sovereignty. Um, but we dispensed with this because we understand that humans have a desire for justice that will also push them towards vigilante justice and that not there, there needs to be due process. And this is why an individual deciding, you know what, I think Hitler's dangerous, let me go kill him is fundamentally different from governing bodies 
who are working together in cooperation who may disagree on other things, but recognize that this is going to kill us all unless we stop it, and then deciding this is the best course of action. Sometimes that best course of action is going to be war. Sometimes it might be an assassination. Sometimes it might be imprisoning or you know whatever else. It's not one answer for everything, and each situation needs to be judged. It's a risk assessment. It's like at what point is the house so on fire that we stop reaching for the fire extinguisher and run outside? I mean, if there's a kitchen fire, you know, uh, and all we've got is water, well, you throw a towel over it and you get the hell out of there, you know, there's water on the grease fire. But if you've got a fire extinguisher handy, you grab that rather than just immediately running because there's a fire. But if the entire kitchen's on fire and there's smoke, you get out. And so not all the situations are equal or, or are the same, I suppose, not equal. Thanks so much. And let's see, I think we might have one more question here. And... Dean Meadows, thanks for that super chat. They ask, Matt, do all human beings in and of themselves have value or do they add value? I'm a little bit confused just because at first it seems like it's- I, I, Maybe, maybe do, they, do they somehow make value or something like that? Like, at like oh, okay. It's like, so so there are, are they in, in somehow intrinsically valuable or no. do they create their value as they, as they live or something? So it, it's, it's a matter of kind of um, at what resolution are we talking? The universe, there's no reason to think the universe cares at all about human beings or anybody else. And so if that's what is required for someone to have intrinsic value, that they have in val value even if there's nobody else and no mind and no thinking and no nothing, just the universe, then I don't see any reason to think that humans have that kind of intrinsic value. But that doesn't mean that humans don't have value. They have value to themselves, to others, uh, both in what they can do, and it can be positive value and negative value. I mean, th th this sort of thing is we look at this and say, gosh, it would be really useful if humans had intrinsic value because that would give us an imperative to value humans. And what we don't often realize is that whether they have intrinsic value or not, they can and should have value to us because our lives are entwined. I don't just care about my girlfriend because we have sex or because she's a person or because she's an intrinsically valuable human being, not just because of what she can directly do for me, there are things that I will do for her that don't, that don't seem to directly uh, impact me, but if they make her life better, my life benefits from it as well. And so that value that I have for another human being, which I also have for David and I have for James and other people, it's not just, well, granted, I'm not sleeping with you guys, but uh, there's different degrees of this value. And this is why people say, oh, and we kind of touched on it earlier. Most people are going to care about themselves most and the people close to them. And yes, of course. And the problem is, what is wrong with that? If I have a baseline with secular humanism, that all humans start on the positive side of value with respect to, hey, uh, I value all humans enough to work towards the betterment of all humans and not just run around slaughtering people. But there's a handful up here that I value slightly more. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with that. It, it is a sensible understanding in the same way that just because there's a small fire on the stove isn't the same as a big fire. It is all, we always are gonna prioritize. You're not a bad person if you care about yourself more as long as you don't take a myopic short-term view of what is immediately in your interest of self-gratification without the recognition that your immediate self-gratification can have long-term consequences on your long-term benefits, which is why I say you can get to the, the appearance of altruism through purely selfishness as a foundation 
but I don't advocate for purely selfishness as a foundation. I am, and, and this, I don't know how this ties into it, uh, between mine and David's disagreement, I am a huge proponent that empathy is, you know, we look at love and we look at empathy, oh, those things are irrational. So what? They're human and they're valuable and they lead to a better, we know that being empathetic towards people causes them to be more prone to cooperation and the betterment of other people. It's not like empathy just because it's not rational or I can't bottle it or I can't say why I'm empathetic is somehow a bad thing. That's not remotely in the ballpark of what I was saying. Thanks so much. With that, folks, we do want to say thanks so much for being with us today. It's been a true pleasure. Huge thanks to our speakers, their flexibility. This, they're terrific to work with. I can tell you personally, they're, they're very personable and it's uh we want to say thanks so much to them as the debaters are the lifeblood of the channel i mean they, they're what makes it fun to watch so it's been a true joy today to get to listen to this we hope you enjoyed it whether you be christian atheist one of the strange many creatures in between we hope you feel welcome here thanks for hanging out with us we'll hopefully see you tomorrow as we'll be live with Bosch and destiny in los angeles and once again, I want to say thanks so much, gentlemen, for being I, here. I will elbow bump in the interest of coronavirus instead uh, of handshake. Actually, I'll, uh, I'll fist pump your you elbow because I, uh, I deal with jihadis on a daily basis, so coronavirus isn't too scary. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.